0: this is coco talk the nation's leading live talk show featuring the Tandy Color Computer. With your host, Mr. Gameplay Goodness himself, Stevie Stroud. All right, nothing like overproducing a show. Welcome to Cocoa Talk, everybody. What episode is this? Are we on 25 now? I'm losing track. 25. I think yep. we're on 25. Wow. We're, uh, we're old enough now to get a discount on our automobile insurance at this point. So that's pretty good. Quarter uh, century old. <laughs> quarter <of the> century. <laughs> and we've got a nice little turnout today for Coco Talk episode 25. So I'll just go around the room here. We have Mark Overholzer with us. Hello, Mark. We have Bill Noble from the Great White North. We have Richard Cavell from the UK. We've got Glenn Hewlett from somewhere in Oak, Canada. We have host of the Coco Crew podcast, John W. Linville. Uh, we have uh, Ron's Garage of Fame and Fortune, Ron Del Vaux, is here. We have uh, King of the Floppy, David Ladd, is with us. We have the lovely and talented Grant Leedy, and last but certainly not least, L. Curtis Boyle, and the L stands for Let's Get It On. All right, so um, here we have it, and this is the uh, Hurricane Irma edition of Cocoa Talk, (laughs) as we try not to be blown away by the storm. Uh, A couple people in live chat are here right now, so Steve Powell has joined us. Hello, Steve. Hey, you
1: got your Coco 3 yet?
0: And Fiscap is here. Uh, Paul Fiscarelli is here. Welcome. Atari Leaf is here. All right, Atari Leaf is here from Canada as well. Hey, Atari Leaf. So yeah, we've got an international panel and an international audience. Where are you broadcasting from? Yeah, I'm broadcasting from a bunker. <laughs> Somewhere. <laughs> are you guys
2: getting any of the wind and stuff yet?
0: It's really minor right now. Yeah. So um, thanks everybody for being here. Great show. Mr. Linville, how are you, sir?
3: Doing okay. Can you hear me?
0: Yeah, I can hear you. I can hear you.
3: Uh-huh. Using the Windows laptop, you never know what it's going to look
0: <laughs> and you're using Skype on top of it, so you're really screwed then. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's the double Microsoft effect. It's a glitchy app on top of a glitchy OS. So, what could possibly go wrong? <laughs> oh, nothing. <laughs> Norlander has just joined us. Hey, Norlander. So, um, yeah, we don't have a topic today, but we can talk about the Cocoa Crew podcast because John Linville is here, and we did talk about this a little bit last week, and Glenn Hewlett is here as well, which was the um, subject of the interview last week. Glenn, great interview, again, definitely appreciated hearing you um, on the Cocoa Crew podcast, and um, what I kind of like about the different shows and the different formats is that, you know, when when we interview you here on Coco Talk, I'm pretty much distracted by playing the game, so it's really hard to focus on actually interviewing you. <laughs> so we do manage to get some uh, information out of you, but as soon as you get over to the Coco crew, that's when we get all the good stuff. So, yeah, it was definitely good to hear you there. Uh, great interview. Uh, and it was good, too. So the follow-up is, is what was it, Hackaday that um, this project has made its way to as well? Yeah, that was kind of neat. Yeah, that was definitely neat. And John Linville mentions a lot of things that that go on in Hackaday uh, as far as this other projects that could become Cocoa projects. So that was really cool to see, um, you know, the project get some uh, exposure. Get obviously Glenn getting the exposure, and and more importantly the Cocoa. So um, yeah, very cool, very cool stuff. I, I felt like it was. It was a very short article, you know, it wasn't a super technical review. It didn't get into the how cool it actually was. It was more like an FYI piece, but it was still good nonetheless. I, I feel like it's just, to me, it's so mind-boggling that it can be done, you know. <laughs> Is anybody watching Silicon Valley now? Has anybody seen it? I in seen H- it. Especially I have, in I've seen it, I've been first able to keep up with it. Oh, yeah, so they, oh. I really I, enjoy I, it. Yeah, the the guy who's the chief engineer, it's just like, he's so technical and so anal. I just feel like, you know, I sometimes relate to that when you want to talk about how amazing something is, you can't do it in a in a paragraph, but sometimes you have to. So
2: <laughs> has he talked about twenty sector floppies yet? Is it real quick? Uh,
0: no, they haven't gotten that deep yet. So <laughs> <laughs> Feiskap says he watches it all the time. So yeah, it was a great episode of the of the Coco Crew podcast. A lot of great Myro content as always. We had Myro on last week too. We got to play the commercial for the um, the neglected cocos and uh, you know save a cocoa that was pretty cool stuff uh... going around the room who's got anything you want to talk about this week as far as things you've done in the world of retro or things you've seen done read viewed that we might find interesting
4: not too much for myself except for I've finally got a hold of the actual ribs source code from os nine which, which source code Ribs, the BBS uh, it's ah, a Full okay. multi-user one
0: Nice yeah,
4: And Fidonet compatible too Yeah, Very cool. Very cool
0: Well since we have John Here too of the Coco Crew Podcast just, I was going to share something with you Some some plans that are brewing And I don't know if I've emailed you about this yet But um, Bill and Curtis Have recently gotten in touch with Wes What's Wes's last name? Dale Wes Dale Gale, Gale, Wes Gale. And you guys were kind of like the three musketeers that started the original Nitrous Nine. Yeah. Right. So we've recently gotten in touch with Wes. And so we want to try to plan a Nitrous Nine interview. And we'd like to have the Coco crew um, in on that, too, to ask questions and make it maybe a joint interview um, and discussion and be even more than happy to let you guys have the first right of refusal if you want to air it first on the Cocoa Crew podcast before we air it. It doesn't have to be live or anything, but um, I feel it's probably a good discussion that we could probably milk into a couple different parts like the, you know, when, when you guys first started to when Alan DeCock came in and eventually how it got handed over to Boise. I think there's probably three chapters at least we could probably get out of this that could be, you know, uh, Crossed to Coco Crew podcast as well as Coco Talk. And just or we can have our very first full
2: nine hour episode.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so that's just something that's in the um, incubation stages right now. But when that happens, we'd definitely like to have you guys, you know, part of that interview. If, um.
3: sure. sure, that sounds worthwhile. I'll uh, we'll have to look at that. Uh, scheduling has become <laughs> our biggest thing. You know, it's, it's uh, one person, you can schedule it whenever. And two people, it wasn't too hard. And now it's. Add one more person, and it, nobody's got a particular problem, or nobody's particularly difficult, but, you know, let get people.
2: <laughs> yeah, we're having the same issues, so I totally agree.
3: It seems to be hard to, to, to reconcile that sometimes, but, um, yeah, that uh, plus, um, I don't know if it's really a secret or not, but uh, uh, I think we're going to be uh, uh, doing another episode with the, the Trash Talk folks uh, here before um, Andy Simpson.
0: Okay. So,
3: um, anyway, I, I'm sure we'd like to do that. It's just a matter of figuring out the schedule.
0: Okay. Yeah. Okay. And it Well, my
2: schedule is busy for a couple of weeks, too. Like, yeah. I couldn't do it before the end of the month
5: at the it, very earliest.
0: It, yeah, it would probably be an after-Tandy Assembly thing anyway. So, I think we've all got full dance cards leading up to that, especially the organizers of the event. So, um, But it's just something that we're thinking about. And, you know, I definitely wanted to include you guys with that because... You can do a heck of a lot better job interviewing. <laughs> and and typically, Curtis is my straight man when it comes to technical talk. And since we're going to be interviewing Curtis, I'm like, well, who's going to be my Curtis to interview Curtis? So I need... <laughs> I can ask myself questions. You deserve a raise. Oh, damn, straight. <laughs> you do. So... so so yeah, I, I really like to, you know, we'll, we'll get that going at some point in time. Atari Leaf says, I'm trying to learn to uh, solder. That's an adventure. I bet. Michael Don't solder ne- your hair.
2: That's my first recommendation.
0: All right. Welcome, yes. welcome, yeah. Mike Newman. Um, well, uh, let's talk about the um, bomb threat cartridges, which you've posted on Facebook. I think those look really good, and let me try to find that real quick, and I'll switch over where everybody else can see it. Um, how many of those have you got going right now?
3: Um, can you see that? Uh, I can't see my own video feed, but um, I'm holding something up to the camera. You see no,
0: your, your camera's not on. I just see, like, your profile picture.
3: Okay. Well, I don't know how to turn it on then. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Sorry. Um, anyway, well, um, uh, I'm working on working towards two dozen right nice. now. Um, and uh, that's going to include um, a copy of Push for Rick and. Um, um, maybe a couple others that are sort of pre-allocated but we we'll hope to have at least 20 available um, at the handy assembly and um, um, but yeah I mean it's pretty much the standard package um, got the instruction cards uh, on order they should come in this week um, same same boxes same cases uh, similar labels um, there the design the lip design its uh, Joel is his son, yes. Yeah. Um, so he did the artwork there. Um, um, anyway, we should have them available. Uh, we'll be charging uh, $40 in the box. And, nice. Yeah, I think that's still a fair price. I'm looking at um, at complete inbox. box uh, home- games for other systems and you know on the Nintendo they're going to $60 regularly so uh. wow that's um (laughs) yeah
0: let me I think I've just got it pulled up right now okay I've got it pulled up on my screen now the actual cartridge what it looks like and it looks really good Uh, I'm trying to maximize this window I swear to god I am so computer illiterate all right here we go so here is the cartridge full screen um, and I love what Joel's done here because he definitely kept the retro uh, Tandy thing where you've got that kind of 3D shadow leading into the image. So it's definitely Tandy inspired and it's in the uh, red injection molded cartridge. It's got a red label that's fairly close match to that and it kind of doesn't have to match anyways, but it looks good there. Um, here's the side label, Bomb Threat, Rick Adams. He's got a catalog, and, he, and this is cool. The catalog number is 84-2017, because he started it in 1984, and uh, he redid it in 2017. So that's kind of a cool little thing right there. A game for your Tandy color computer, Bomb Threat by Rick Adams. That looks really good. Here's a side view of the label. That looks really good. That's a really good-looking label. Here's the top view there. You can see the nice shiny teeth of the card edge looking good and there it is in a cocoa slapped into the side of a cocoa a cocoa cartridge and here it is up on the screen so yeah that looks really good that is a really cool um a nice little thing to have just in time for tandy assembly um looks really good so i want to thank you for doing that and i'm glad rick had the um you know i definitely i badgered the hell out of him to make sure that we got this on a cartridge but uh (laughs) I'm glad he had the good sense. Yeah, (laughs) still want to make this on a cartridge, so. (laughs) Um,
3: uh, If I could, um, if we're still going around the room, I'd like to uh, mention also um, I've uh, opened the um, open for for entrance, uh, open the entrance list for the retro challenge event for October 2017. Okay. And so, if you go to retrochallenge.org, there's uh, a link there for well you can see the current entrance you can see the rules for the contest uh, you can see last uh, the last um, events uh, results okay
0: but anyway, I, just, I just posted a link to that in the youtube chat so
3: so that's uh, it's a, just a twice yearly event where geeks uh, come together and do something weird with an old computer and blog about it and yeah uh, we uh uh, uh
0: part of the rules is the project needs to be completed in 30 days
3: uh, that's it should be 30 days yes
0: yeah yeah that's definitely on my bucket list of, to enter that at one point in time I just I got so much on my plate it's hard to find a project I can commit to for a month <laughs> it's hard to get that 30 days yeah yeah but I'm thinking hey uh, retro gaming Denmark has just joined us greetings from Denmark they say Hello. so welcome to cocoa talk <laughs> Um, yeah, I'm thinking that when I get, when I actually get started on whatever game I'm going to write in basic, that if the timing is right, I can maybe, you know, make that a retro challenge too, to, once I figure out what I'm going to do, if I can get a working prototype done in 30 days, that might be a cool retro challenge thing too.
3: Uh, yeah, and you certainly don't have to finish, uh, per se, uh, but it's more about how much you achieve or, or whatever. Set your own goals really, um, yeah. it could be. Could be finishing the graphics engine on an existing project or something. Okay, like
0: okay. Well, that certainly makes it a little bit easier. And that was one of the things that um, uh, global, the global thermal nuclear war was was part of. Yep. It was very cool to get that done in 30 days. I can maybe be, do play <laughs> testing for somebody in 30 days. <laughs> And we're missing, we're missing our favorite Australian right now, Nick Marentis. <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah. Maybe we can get Nick Marionettes to substitute. Yeah.
0: Form. Oh well. Speaking of that, I'm, oh so um, we'll 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 do that when we head over to uh, talking about the new OS nine group because one of the questions that Ron asked was, was there any Easter eggs Easter in OS nine? And I think Bruce Moore, since Bruce is just now getting into it. He actually found something, and he sent me a video clip that we're going to make as a world exclusive here. So we'll show it here first, and then we'll release it to the OS9 group page as well. But, yeah, so apparently um, Bruce has found an Easter egg in OS9. Uh, Matter of fact, with all of that buildup, I I think I would be remiss if I didn't go ahead and show it now. So let me go ahead and get that queued up, and I'll show it to you guys. Because, you know, Bruce is... uh, He's really cranking out some stuff, and and, uh, I like that he's learning basic 09 right now, too. So, very cool stuff.
2: Okay, uh, booting up OS 9 now. And then I put in the special key combination, and...
6: (laughs)
7: Oh, crap.
2: Locked up again.
0: let <laughs> be using Nick's version. <laughs> <laughs> there we have it, folks. That is the. Uh... Bill, I thought we had that hidden forever. Yeah, I thought so too.
5: <laughs> so, how much disk space did that take? All right. Greetings, YouTubers. Atari Leave here, and you're listening to Coco Talk. All right, William. Well, I'm trying to get
0: William in the call right now. William just tried calling. Let me see if I can add him in right now. Add to group call. I might have to add him in manually. This is the challenge with um, the, the Skype version, the um, Linux version of Skype, um, of being able to join some group calls. Yay, Microsoft, right? William, <laughs> are you there? Yeah, we'll find out if William's there real quick in just in just a second. But, yeah, that's one of the things we wanted to talk about this week is William posted something on Facebook where he's just getting into assembly and, um, you know, showed a little hello world thing and uh, just a, the beginning of a project. And William, can you hear us, or is William gone again? So, um yeah, so we'll hopefully get to him in just a minute. But I really, um, we, we do have some plans to feature an assembly segment where we'll probably do it in, in pieces and talk more and more about assembly um, in a more structured format. But in the meantime, if anybody's doing a project, because, you know, Richard Cavell had mentioned this once before, too. And if somebody's just starting in assembly, um, it, it kind of doesn't matter if you've never done it before and it's your first project. You don't have to necessarily be kind of humble and say, well, you know, I've never done it before and all I have is hello world. Because there's, like myself, I'm, I'm sure there's probably 90% of the Cocoa community that doesn't do assembly. So to to us novices, it's all interesting. And actually that kind of beginner's perspective, that journey, um, is, is a kind of an interesting thing. So I would love to show some of that stuff off too. So I'm hoping William will get back on the call and we can show little project and we do plan to have you know more kind of structured assembly talks as time goes on um in in the live chat we have uh, uh retro gaming denmark says anybody selling coco Two composite boards um where is that going yeah ed snyder does and um i'm trying to add karen now karen also on the linux client curse you linux <laughs> okay here he goes is, is he coming in Okay, so what is um, Retro saying? Anybody selling Coco 2 composite mods these days? Zipster has been out of stock for a while. Mm. Okay, well, he actually is already aware of, of Ed Snyder's stuff. So, Karen, are you with us? Okay, William's trying to call in again. Is there any, any update on the video call for Discord? N- no, I haven't seen it yet. I haven't seen it online. Okay. So I'm trying to add William to the call. Yeah, every time he calls in, it tells me I'm going to lose him if I do. This is the frustrating part about Skype. All right, William, you you copy? I see him on the screen. I see his horse. Yeah, Uh, I'm here. All right, welcome, William. Welcome to the call. We were just mentioning how you're starting your assembly project, and I'm going to be happy to kind of show off a piece of that, um, which we can hopefully get to in a few minutes here. Uh, (laughs) Oh, God. uh, Just put you on the spot, huh?
4: Hey, everybody. This is Bill Noble, co-author of Nitrous Nine. You are listening to Coco Talk Live, the leading live Coco Talk show.
0: All right. Well, well, before we do that, let's go over a couple of things here. I just want just to go over some of the um, kind of the views and reviews and feedback from what's happened to us in like the last week or so. So, well, I, I posted a couple of Hurricane Irma videos. Those, <laughs> one of them's got 400 views. That's actually pretty good, right? So the Oz Cave Fest little segment that I recorded with Nick, I posted that as a solo video. That's already gotten 85 views. That's not bad. Coco Talk, 24 from last week, 167 views, not bad at all. Floppy Talk, episode 23, that thing has taken the world by storm, 195 views. Our episode 22, which, by the way, is our most listened to audio version, is the Nick Marentis Pac-Man 1.1 update. That has gotten a combined, that will, because I've lost some other ones too from the copyright flag, but that's gotten over well over 200 views now. So, yeah, we're averaging like 200 views per week on Coco Talk, which is pretty cool. I'm, I'm kind of happy about that, just being so obscure about, um, you know, about what we're talking about and everything. <laughs> uh, some comments on some recent videos. Uh, somebody commented on one of my Dragon Slayer videos saying this game rocks and it still does. This guy here posted a commercial. This uh, this one's actually pretty good. I want to play this. This was a commercial from um, the end, the, the death of, of Radio Shack, right? I'm going to fast forward to the end because...
8: America. Highest
0: quality home Let's fast forward to the end because he, he posted this commercial like this is what Radio Shack would say to us. But
8: they should feel
4: free to use.
0: Let
8: <laughs> if you can see this.
0: Century, we at Radio
8: Shack have proudly served America,
4: Radio Shack?
8: providing you with the highest quality home electronics at the best prices, and now, sadly, it's time for us to say goodbye. And so we would like to offer this special farewell message to America. Go on yourselves. (laughs) That's right. Just take a 30-pack of batteries and shove them directly up your ass. Who sold your parents that remote control car you got for Christmas in 1993 that you love so damn much? Radio Shack, motherfuckers. That's right. Remember in 1989 when you needed a cable to plug your Nintendo into the TV? Who was there for you? That's right. Radio Shack again, assholes. (laughs) And I'll look at you, laughing at our slow, painful death. Well... Laugh where you still can, shitheads. Because one day, you too will be obsolete. One day, you too will be left behind in the wake of time's ceaseless onslaught. And when that day comes, know that we'll be standing over your goddamn grave laughing our asses off. So, America, from all of us here at Radio Shack, goodbye and go to hell, you filthy animals.
0: I thought that was funny. Somebody posted yep. that as a comment on one of my videos, and that's actually Hello, like John a, Oliver. Yeah, it's like a year old already, but that one was pretty funny. Um, we got a we got a comment on our OzK Fest video. It says Thanks, Steve. Thanks, Nick. Really enjoyed, and and great to see all the enthusiasm on the Apple side of the house. People that are caught up in their passion just like us coconuts. So yeah, that was kind of cool. Once again, this is interesting how these things happen. People run into my videos, and this person here says my dad did this game here, and this was Brewmaster, like the tapper clone. So uh, of course, I never miss an opportunity to say, well, you know, if you ever wanna do an interview, (laughs) let me know. So um, that's somebody who's reached out on one of my older YouTube videos. Uh, Grant Leedy keeps trying to call in and we're losing Grant. So, um, yeah, so a couple of comments there on uh, some of our most recent Cocoa things on, on YouTube. Uh, podcast downloads right now. We are at 1,233 downloads, which is pretty cool. Um, you know, it, it, and, and never know what to expect when you do these things, but I think that's a, a respectable number. And interestingly enough, again, what's our most listened to podcast? Episode 22, the Nick Morentis um, Pac-Man update. Uh, so that's that's gotten 78 downloads. So we are uh, we are nowhere near um, infringing upon Coco Cruz numbers by any means, but it's kind of cool to be an obscure niche thing and, and have you know uh, several dozen people listen to uh, what you do. Uh, something else I did this week is I've updated the Coco website. So has gotten a slightly cleaner look to it. And this is where I've put in all my links for color computer stuff. This used to be one page, and now it's now multiple pages. So if you want to find out about communities, like on the communities page, for example, I've got Tandy Assembly on here. I've got Coco Fest, the Color Computer Group on Facebook, MC10 Group on Facebook, Coco Crew Podcast on Facebook, the Dragon Group on Facebook, the Cocoa Mailing List, right? Glenside Computer Club cococommunity.net coco on google plus mc10 group uh, ron's garage group on facebook and now ron's os9 group on facebook so just one category of communities, groups, and events. You can click on to find out what's going on in the world of Coco, And if people update me onto new uh, websites, I'll certainly be happy to add those. So like resources, things like CocoPedia and the um, RadioShackCatalogs.com, things like that. Blogs and projects, if you're working on something, let me know, I'd be happy to add you to the list of what your blogs and projects are. So imacoconut.com is your one-stop shop for all your Tandy computer needs. Something I was hoping to be able to show off this week, but unfortunately the uh, hurricane has screwed with weather deliveries, but I've designed an updated um, Coco Talk t-shirt. It's the deluxe t-shirt. So I just want to show you guys that one. I've ordered one. Mark Overholzer ordered one. Mark did not get his yet. Mine was supposed to be here by today didn't come in, but I'll show you what it would look like. This was our original Coco Talk t-shirt, which is just the guy and he doesn't look bad, but I did a more deluxe one that now matches the podcast logo because I had not even designed this when we designed the first shirt. So now you've got two choices of Coco Talk t-shirts and the deluxe one I really like. So I've ordered a t-shirt and I've ordered a tall coffee mug. So this is like your normal t-shirt. And then I think this thing here is pretty cool too, is you can get like one of these really tall coffee mugs like right here. I've ordered one of these too. And this this looks really cool, right? So you can have your little coffee mug and drink whatever, and it'll say Cocoa Talk, right? Uh, One other thing, we talked about this last week, and I've actually done it now. Um, I've created a new color computer-only YouTube channel, and there's a description to that in this live stream right now. Michael Newman says that looks very nice. Thanks, Michael. Um, I have not populated it with too much yet. I do have all the back episodes of Cocoa Talk have been populated. I'm going to start to kind of hand select what of my old gaming videos I want to move over here, but not all of them. Because as I watch some of my older videos, I find a lot of them to be rather cringeworthy. So I'll probably be redoing a lot of videos. And I've got some good ideas. Um, I've had a few people suggest that they wish there was a version of my video that did not have commentary. Which is basically a polite way of saying, shut up, Steve. So um, I will start recording some videos only without commentary, or probably maybe do two different versions of future videos. So for those people who just want to see the game and don't want to hear a guy blathering, um, we'll have that. And for those of you who like to listen to me babble, we'll have that. So future videos will be available with and without commentary. And all my new Cocoa videos will show up here. This is going to be a channel dedicated to nothing but Cocoa. So we got that on the horizon and there's a link to that on my YouTube page. Um, I just don't
2: understand who would not want to see you rage quit a game. I just (laughs) don't
0: get it. Well, apparently I babble. So, uh, or so I've been told. (laughs) Uh, hey Alexander Wallace is here Um, something else we just started too um, is a Patreon page I've had a few people suggest and recommend a Patreon thing so I've created one and we will find ways to create exclusive content for um, people who want to support uh, the endeavors of the retro channels and the podcasts and things like that so um, that's out there now too there's a link on all of our websites that will have that so that's enough shameful plugs for now. That's just kind of catching up on, on what has happened um, last, between last week and this week as far as what, who's watched what, who's listened to what feedback, things like that.
9: Hey, have you got your Coco 3 yet? Hi, this is Rick Adams, author of Temple of Rom and Shanghai, and you've tuned into Cocoa Talk, the nation's leading live talk show featuring the Tandy Color Computer.
0: Alexander Wallace has joined us from Mexico. Um, Retro Gaming Denmark says, I'm a huge 8-bit text adventure fan. That's good to hear. A few of the text adventures are definitely not preserved. That gives me a good idea. I was thinking about that. I was thinking about creating a category of just text adventures. Um, uh, I think my one experiment with doing Bedlam that's gotten over 200 views has definitely exceeded my expectations. So there's probably an appetite for that. And I think my challenge is right now my normal YouTube page has got so much hodgepodge of content that i really want to i thought a cocoa only page just made sense and so you know um so look forward to things like that i want to put music up there cocoa music i'll do a section for text adventure games i'll do a a section for um games without commentary you know newer and different types of content will come in the future on that page as as these ideas come to me so uh, thanks for that suggestion on text adventure pages uh, cool stuff, cool stuff, uh, Ron. You, you want? How about we take a commercial break and we'll switch over to Ron's garage in a few. Sure. Does that work for you? Be All good. right. We're going to take a quick commercial break and then we're going to come back and we're going to look take a look at Ron's garage. So, be right back, people. Go ahead and hit the potty if you got
3: to. Something new is coming. Candy assembly. Tandy Assembly is about Radio Shack and Tandy computers. Tandy Assembly is about interacting. Tandy Assembly is about people. Tandy Assembly is about fun. The first gathering of its kind.
7: Computers of the 70s, 80s, and 90s. All Radio Shack and Tandy makes and models.
3: Join Join us. Don't miss Tandy Assembly. In Chillicothe, Ohio. October 7th and 8th. Whether you're near or far. Tandy Assembly is for everyone. Visit
7: our webpage at www.tandyassembly.com
6: Tandy Assembly
9: Hi,
7: I'm Randy Weaver and you're watching Original Gamer Stevie Straugh.
0: Hey, what's going on everybody, it's me, it's original gamer Stevie Stroh. You know, game to get your copy of a Gameplay Goodness gameplay. Color Computer Gaming DVD today, gameplay. head on over to 8bit256.com. Oh, there you will find several DVDs gameplay. featuring color yeah. computer gameplay videos by the original gamer Stevie Stro. So to get your very own copy of a Gameplay Goodness Color Computer Gaming DVD, head on over to the Retro Swag Shop at 8bit256.com and tell them the original gamer Stevie Stro sent you. It's amazing how many things have taken a life of their own. Between Myro um, and Gameplay Goodness, and now Nick Marionettes. It's all these little insider buzzwords and catchphrases that we come up with that almost become larger than life. Um, I, you know, I never would have thought of any type of catchphrase for my videos, but Gameplay Goodness it is. You know, so now on all of my new Coco videos, I'm going to lead in and lead out with a little gameplay goodness intro and outro clip because it's, it's just kind of cool, you know. Um, and Nick Marionettes, man, that's a name that's going to live on in infamy forever. That commercial, we probably need to run that commercial again later on today. Um, Ron Delvo, I'm going to give you your proper introduction right now, and then we're going to switch over. we'll talk What do you want to talk about first, Ron's Garage or the uh, OS9 group?
1: The OS9 group.
0: All right, so hold on. Well, well then, I don't have an OS9 group. Intro, so I'm just going to use the Ron's Garage intro. So will work. It's, uh, you know, I I, I really got to... I don't have cheap Canadian labor to help me work on this show here. So, you know, (laughs) you get what you pay for, people.
2: (laughs) Our dollars have been going up. We're
0: getting more expensive. (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, get ready for Ron's Garage with a peek into the past featuring the personal computer collection of Ron. Delvo. Take it away, Ron. I love this funky little 70s jazz pseudo porn music here. Really good stuff. Sorry about that. Couldn't resist. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we've got a brand new group on Facebook. Um, and it is just, uh, you know. Facebook does not have enough content out there right now, so we're doing what we can to help this fledgling startup of a uh, web system. Uh, and the latest addition to Facebook is the Color Computer Nitrous 9 OS 9 group created by Ron Delvo himself. <laughs> and uh, how many members are in here? We've got 62 members already, and you just started this thing the other day. The, the nice thing was is... Um, you got Dale Puckett to join the game, right? And that's one of the guys who to to who wrote the book. Yep. yep.
1: I went yeah. over to him and I said, uh, "I think you ought to see this. It's pretty cool." <laughs> <He> didn't really <laughs> say anything, but he did come in and look around. I think.
0: Yeah. So that's that's very cool to have one of the authors of the you know the Nitrous Nine books um, on on here. Yeah,
1: he's been so, pretty oh, busy
2: with ham stuff. He's quite active in the ham community still to this day. So.
1: Yep, yeah, I've been following him for a long time. Anyway, I was ask, I was wondering, um, just as a side note a little bit, does anybody know what happened to Wayne Day? He used to they were be the no a CompuServe a, guy? Yeah. CompuServe
2: guy. Yeah, he, he was the head like of the comp- Cocoa and OS9 forums and CompuServe, I remember. I don't know what happened to him. I haven't heard from him in a long time.
1: Yeah, I tried looking for him, uh but uh, to no avail. Um I'm going through uh some of my uh, text files that I saved off when I did when I was on FidoNet and stuff. And there's a lot of names on there that are familiar. I uh, can't place their faces though, because I don't think I've ever seen their faces, which is back then you didn't see faces.
2: Yeah. Right. Right. You just talk on CB chat on CompuServe. Right. <laughs> yeah.
0: I just posted a link to the, to the OS nine group in the uh, YouTube chat if anybody's interested in joining
1: the group. Um, now I don't know much about OS9, but I saw a need, so I thought I'd put it together. Right. And then uh, I started uh, making a couple of admins uh, available. Um, I thought Nick would be cool because he's he, uh, overnight.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, he can be the night crew, right? Yeah. And he's he, he's <laughs> one of the biggest supporters of OS9. So oh, obviously, couldn't, couldn't have a couldn't have a, a a better cheerleader on your team. He knows a good thing when he sees one. <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, um, it would be cool if, um, I'm going to start going through the OS 9 Peter Dibble book there, uh, and, uh, slowly try and learn again. I I went through it before when I was much younger, and it was, uh, came to me pretty quick, and it was, uh, you know, there's a lot of cobwebs now, so I'm going to go through it again in my spare time that I have spare time of, and, um. Start learning, and then I'll have questions, and I'm sure you guys will help answer them. But um, yeah, there's the uh, three banditos. Yeah, uh,
0: yeah. So you've as you've learned today now, there was an Easter egg in, in OS nine as well, which we've uncovered. So, <laughs> Bill Noble, <Bull>, uh <laughs> Nick Marionettes, and uh, what was it, Curtis? What was Curtis's name in that one?
2: I actually didn't see what the name was because my uh, Skype. Window was over top of it. Ah, uh,
0: we'll <laughs> So well, I don't know what it said. It might have said like Curtis Boiled there. or something. Like that. Yeah. Boiled. <laughs> Curtis Boiled. boiled okay. okay. Cocoa Three Easter eggs. Okay. So somebody else did find some. So that was this Easter egg they're probably talking about here.
2: Yeah. Actually, that picture you see there the, on that link is actually one of the guys in the Easter eggs. Ah, Parkins. okay.
0: Okay. Very cool.
2: And there is, there is an Easter egg in, in OS9 and Nitrous9 because we modified it, of course. Um, yeah. Prefill the keyboard buffer when you first start up a shell, you can get some of the author's credits if you hit Control-A on OS9 or Shift-Right-Arrow on Nitrous 9.
4: Actually, they replaced that from in the repo just to say www.nitrous9.org. Did they? Yes. Yeah. Well, we'll have to fix that. <laughs> yeah,
0: I think so. <laughs> there really should be like a three amigos of the uh, the Nitrous 9 founding fathers, you know? When, when Actually, got the to- three of us have never met together in person,
2: I don't think. Hmm. Bill's Ron's met Bill's it. met me and uh, Wes and I have never met in person, just on the phone. Mm.
0: Well, from what I understand, these three pictures were taken individually too. So, yeah, on separate days, even I think. And we have uh, we have Ron's digitizer, so we could get the authentic look here. We yeah. Get those get those pictures, ph- Photoshop them together, and get Ron to digitize it. So,
1: did you happen to see the um, link I I put up there? Uh, has all about uh, their individual pictures, and there's a uh, DSK file, or DSK, uh... uh is that disk. this one here? It, yeah. The
0: egg. Okay, the Cocoa 3 Easter egg. Yes. Okay.
1: Scroll down there.
0: The egg is hatched. Fact and folklore about the egg. Okay, and there he is. There's Mark Hawkins himself, right? Yep. Here's the, okay, here's the source image. Okay. Yes. That's interesting, right? So you had the three different pictures
1: yeah, I thought that was fascinating. Unused images. Okay. And um, CC, the program that runs the digitizer I have, uh, the DS69B, is uh, on that disc. And uh, you fire it up, and you can look at all these uh, individual pictures.
0: Okay. So here's some more Easter eggs here, too. Some MicroWare systems is in there. T. Harris and T. Earls. Um very cool. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure I've got a link to Cocopedia on amacoconut.com, uh, too, under resources. Very cool stuff. Yeah, and, we, and that was also who's talked site about this? in... Whose site is Cocopedia? Uh, yeah. Who, who's Do you know, Curtis? Oh. I think Alan Huff, Huffman's involved. Yeah, he, he's, he was one of the main contributors
2: and, and kind of helped push it. I can't remember if he's actually running it or not, though.
4: Wiki at Cocoa... Okay. Wasn't Alan DeCock involved in that, too?
2: I can't remember. There's a bunch of people. I mean, I used to contribute to it way, way so back. So when, you go to, when I time. click
0: on Contact Me, I guess it's opening up an email right now. Um, there's a Facebook group. There's a Google Plus group. CocoaPedia project was started uh, on 2004 by user Alan Huffman. It was originally hosted on a different domain, Cocoa25. The domain has been created for Cocoa's 25th anniversary back in two. So did Alan start this? Yeah, it must have been Mel that started I know he was actively involved it at the beginning, but okay. So, it is join the email list, Facebook group, Google Plus. Contact me with updates, questions. Let's um. Open uh, what is the copy email address? Let's just see what that email address is. That is wiki at cocopedia.com, dot com. So we have no idea to know who that is. Okay, I have to do a who is on the domain. Yeah, it's who's registered with? No, that's very cool, though. I mean, I like things like Easter eggs, and um, Easter eggs are like hidden modes in games where you can get into like a cheat mode and things like that. That's always yeah. cool stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Or just hidden messages in games
2: like uh, Dave Edson of Aardvark was infamous for. He has tons in his games.
1: Okay. Do you guys remember the um, Easter eggs in uh, Windows uh, 95? No. Yeah, there are. <laughs>
2: I know there's one in Excel. There's a whole flight simulator or something built in, isn't it? If you've typed in a certain formula. Is there really? Yeah. No. It's, like, it's like literally megabytes of code that they embedded into Excel just to do this mm-hmm. stupid Easter egg.
0: <laughs> wow.
2: <laughs> On the old versions of Excel, I don't think it's there anymore. But.
0: Yeah, so I think that's kind of cool that we now have an, an OS 9 group, and hopefully this will you know get more people involved. And, and uh, Bill... Pierce was one of the people who posted a nice long post and he's done this before in the mailing list too, where he's basically said things like listen to here's what you need to know about OS 9 and here's you know things like that so it was a really good kind of breakdown of uh, you know letting people know there is not a one-size-fits-all situation for this operating system and um, you know depending on what hardware you use and things like that and we've kind of learned that and discovered that with things we've been talking about on this show as well there's just you know, the Cocoa didn't have a BIOS, and the Cocoa doesn't support plug-and-play. So the, your mileage may vary when it comes to what's attached to your system and how OS 9 is going to work with that. And what was the other the other famous phrase about this was, um, it's user-friendly, it's just real picky about who its friends are. Something like that. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> I like think John what, Linville used that one. Yeah. Um, what else should we point out here on this on the OS 9 page, uh, Ron, that's worth talking about?
1: Well, um, I, I put a couple of resources up for uh, the manuals. And, yeah. Okay, uh, I see that. Yeah. Uh, and most... and uh, Curtis, did you say something about um, the versions?
2: Yeah, there's three versions of the old level two manual. The original ones is from January of '87. The second one was June of '87, which is I think the one on the archive. And then there was a newer one where they added some missing system calls and a bunch of other pages too. So even the page numbers change. From uh, oh. March of '88, and that you can figure out which one you have if you look at the uh, outside back cover, the cardboard part, not the plastic casing, and it has a little date in the a month, day, month and year in the lower left corner, and that'll tell you which version you have.
1: Cool.
0: Well, you just reminded me something too, um, Ron. You had posted the question about different versions of the Color Basic manual, right? And, yes. Um, and 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 it was pointed out that there's at least one version of this manual that is only has 13 chapters like it was kind of rushed to market yep. right and that got me thinking I didn't bother to look to see what mine had because I've got a few but when I saw a new one posted on eBay a guy was selling the color basic manual and another programming and basic manual I messaged the guy and I said well how many chapters are in that book and he got back to me says well there's 13 chapters and it's 379 pages or whatever it was and it was a buy it now one so I just said cool I want it and I hit buy it now so I've got one of the 13 chapter versions wow. of that book coming from eBay. Um, so, yeah, interesting. That's a co-
1: co- take pictures.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, Dwayne
2: Downing, who Steve has uh, met virtually a few times there, uh, and friend of mine from up here, and we bought our Coco's like within a month or two of each other. He actually had one of the last of the 13 chapter manuals come with his, and then when I got mine, which is literally twice as thick and has all the you know little bits on doing assembly language graphics at the end and some of the more technical details. But there was an article in the Tier City Microcomputer News uh, magazine, which is a little freebie they gave out, that actually mentioned that they finally got the real manual finished. I think in December of 1980, and then they finally got the full version out to everybody. But uh, people that had bought their Cogos before that, or ones that were you know put in boxes before that, got the older, smaller version of the manual.
0: Hmm. And and so uh, were were the, were those people updated to a newer version? Nope. No, nope. <laughs> you're stuck I think like you, maybe Chuck. if you went and asked for it, if you knew there was a difference, but most people didn't.
1: Wow. Huh. Well, I hope I can be as prolific in the future with all these um, things that I come up with, but I doubt if I will be. Able to
0: <laughs> because, well, the nice yeah, thing you, interesting,
1: but yeah, uh,
0: the nice thing about it being a group is that you know you have uh, you have more than one person to contribute to it, so it's it's kind of cool uh which now we will go over and we will look at the ron's garage group right so yeah you mentioned you put a couple of videos up here
1: there's four videos and they're a little probably boring and shaky because i you know uh when i was a sign painter i used to paint signs and um i have some nerve damage in my thumb and it shakes now so i I got this jittery thing going on now and then and um Apologize in the future. Ah, <laughs> I have to get you a tripod. <laughs> yeah, really. Well, I just had a little handheld, cheap, cheap old point and shoot. That's what yeah. I used for. To... So if you start with video uh, one. Okay. Well, I'm
0: just it's... doing the one that's on the top of the page right now.
1: Yeah. No, don't do that one.
0: Okay. Well, let me see which one's which right now. So that's video four. Last video three. Yeah. Three two. Video one of four. All right. Okay. They're not real long. They are just okay. So Let's make it big. Turn on the sound. All right, here we go. This is video one. Yeah. Wait a second. Wait okay, a second. Let's see if I- my, sound- my 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 okay. software is not um, my software is not showing this. I don't think so. Give me two seconds to switch over my scene. You guys can see it, but nobody else can. Okay. Now it's on the broadcast. Here we go. Let's try this again.
3: Okay. Let's see if I can. Okay.
0: Okay, coco your Cocoa SDC.
1: Yeah, uh, controller's in four, Three. I switched it to uh, three, and then reset it, and I was going to copy a uh, file from drive one to the okay. SDC. No. I do do? And, uh... One. Basically, what this comes down to is it doesn't work.
0: <laughs> you try to yeah, copy from the SDC a to a real floppy?
1: It won't work, yeah. Uh, to drive two. You know, I turned one. off drive one, mm-hmm. and I even turned off drive two and tried copying to either one, and it didn't work. Okay. And I show that. Uh, Nothing. Well, before I even did this video, I uh on three tested the controller with, with so the floppy you yeah, know nothing. on the slot four and it worked fine. Hmm. So Let's there's see. showing drive one is on and it will not read drive one. Interesting. So you go to the next video and we're a different controller. And it does the same thing. So you can skip that and go to three.
0: Okay. Video three.
1: Yeah. Video 3 is a completely different Color Computer 2 system. And um, I did the same thing. And guess what? Don't work. Drive 0 off, drive 1 off, and I do directories and it will not read. And then the next, if you go to the next video, then it's just on Coco 3, and it sure Doing it works. It's doing the same exact thing.
0: Okay, oh. I'm trying to add, okay. add William back to the call. Something in the drive.
1: Here's the stupid one. <laughs>
0: oh, God. Okay, so what's the new one now that has the Cocoa 3 on it?
1: Yeah, the last one.
0: That's number four?
1: Yep. That one's Cocoa 3, and uh, I have the correct uh, um, MPI on it, and uh, it works, as you can see in the video.
0: Okay. I'm on the Cocoa 3
1: now. I hit uh,
0: drive 0, mode, drive off, 1 off.
1: On 0, off on yep. 1. I'm hitting a directory. I drive 1. It's working. It works. Alright, now i do a directory on the one. It's working. Why does it work on the three and not the two and not the one? Interesting. Weird, huh? So, is my SDC broke? Or uh, does not does somebody else have the same setup and nobody's done it yet? What?
9: Um, my recommendation would be to email... Darren Atkinson.
1: Okay. I'm and tell him what's... Darren?
9: Yes, he's the one that created the Coco SDC.
2: And he maintains right. the software upgrades for it.
1: Are you? Right, so maybe you guys, any of you guys have a one or a two you can hook up to it and try it? Anybody out there?
2: Um, I, I do, I just haven't had time to. Do anything with my Cocoa's last couple months.
1: So. Well, I'd sure like to know if mine's bad or not, and that'd probably be one way to find out. If somebody else does it and theirs is, yeah, mine's fine. I don't know what's wrong with you.
5: <laughs> the custom STC doesn't depend upon ex- uh, extended basic, does it?
0: Oh, yeah. All disk controllers do.
1: Yeah.
0: I'm trying yeah. to add William back to the call. Jim Gary's with us in the live chat, too. Hey, Jim. Jim, we'd love to have you join us on Skype at some point in time.
7: Hi, I'm Kieran Unscombe, author of XRAW, and your brain is resolving sensory input into cocoa talk.
9: Um, but yeah, as far as that issue, um, it that sounds more like it's more likely in SDC DOS itself. So yeah. um, he would have to go through it because um, it knows which computer that you're booting up on, so it's got. Code specific for the Coco one and twos and threes for the drive wire support. So therefore, maybe there's just something slightly off for the one and two mods.
1: Yeah, I was all excited. I, I uh, fired up my Coco one, you know, and yeah. put the SC in there, and I put a floppy in. I was going to copy the uh, 32K speak program from floppy over in, into the SDC, and and I tried it, and I tried it, and I thought, well, what is going on? It's just not working. So I stopped. I went down to the other computer, tried that. It didn't work, and I'm going, what am I missing, you know?
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've tried the Coco SDC and a Cocoa 1. It works fine, obviously, but I haven't actually hooked up on my Pack to it because I normally have my Multi Pack hooked up to my Coco 3, so I haven't tried that particular scenario.
1: Yeah, so I... um. You know, I've loaded uh, programs into the Cocoa One. They work fine. And, you know, anything pertaining to the SDC is fine, except excluding it and trying to work around it, you know, or or adding to it. Now, gee, that's kind of, you know, an important part.
0: Yeah. Yeah. William keeps trying to call in and I can't add him to the call. And I think it's because he's doing the, I don't know if he's doing the Skype client or the Skype. a browser client but yeah I can't add you in the call William and I know we've had you on here before and I'm having a I'm having a major issue getting you on this call uh, you gotta love Skype sometimes right uh, all right well that was kind of cool though so yeah I'm uh, Darren has been responding to posts on the mailing list and that's where the 1.5 update came from when somebody pointed out the fact that the drive motors were not being turned off. And they also noticed that, um, he mentioned that there's a timing delay when you're doing like a disc any, and you had to like run a double speed poke to get it to finish before this timeout occurred. And and, and that was kind of a proof of concept that I, I forgot exactly what it was, but I was trying to keep up with that thread. But yeah, um, Darren Atkins is definitely on top of of any, any requests to go to the mailing list. I don't think he does Facebook. So we should probably okay. get, get that message out to him and let him know. I know he's still working on something to fix the, to to fully um, fix the the drive motor thing. So,
1: and, all right, you guys yeah. got to help me out now. Uh, how do you get to the mailing list or wh- what is it or you know? Uh,
0: I will send you a link to that. It's it's on um, it's on I'm a, I'm, it's on amacoconut.com How you how you get there? Once you go to the okay. malt data, whatever it's called. And you Maybe. submit your email address. You kind of, I don't know. I guess they have to approve you somehow, and then you start getting emails from them, and you respond okay. to the emails, and it's a thread. Um, yeah. right. What I, What I've done is I've created a rule where all of my mailing list stuff goes into a folder, and so I just click on mailing list. It's just a, I have I have Gmail, and I use a whatever they call that a filter. So all my mailing list stuff goes in a folder. I click on that, and I just read them. And most of the time, everything stays threaded. Sometimes the threads break, and you have multiple versions of a message, but um, uh, it's pr- it's pretty good to follow things, especially when the thread doesn't break. You can kind of follow the history of the conversation pretty easily. Yeah, you it's multimedia
2: and it's actually ran by Dennis Bathory Kits. Yeah. You may remember him from the days of Lower Kit, et cetera.
1: Yeah, and he's a uh, co- uh, a um, what is he a conductor of some kind? Yeah,
2: of he's a composer.
1: Yeah, composer. Awesome guy. Yeah, he was kind of a crazy guy, wasn't he?
2: Yes. <laughs> <laughs> have you ever seen his ambient room music thing? That he actually brought it to one of the Cocoa Fests and played it there, and it's it's yeah, it's pretty bizarre. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: He would be fun to, to uh, hang out with.
2: he would be fun to have him as an interview, actually, because he's done yeah. hardware and software. He's a, a composer of operas and all kinds of stuff. He's directly related to the infamous Bathory, uh, Countess Bathory, that uh, you know supposedly
0: bathed in blood, etc. Ah, oh, neat. Ascendant. All right. Norlander says he's got to go. Um, Grant, do you have a newbie question of the week for us? Yes, I do. We'll hold on to it. We're going to take a quick commercial break, and we'll come back with Grant's newbie question of the week. I'm assuming you're done, Ron. Sorry if I cut you short. No, you didn't. (laughs) All right. We're going to run a quick commercial, and then we'll come back, and we'll hear the newbie question of the week. So don't go anywhere, folks. What's going on, everybody? The Original Gamer Stevie Stro here, and I want to talk to you about Amacoconut.com. If you love the Color Computer like I love the Color Computer, then you got to visit Amacoconut.com, your one-stop shop for all of your candy Color Computer links needs. There you'll find links to blogs and podcasts and project sites and emulators and downloads and groups and communities. If you love the Color Computer, head on over to Amacoconut.com, that's I-M-A-Coconut.com. Tell them the Original Gamer Stevie Stro sent you. Coco forever, people.
2: Hi, this is John Robbs. I'm at the Cocoa Fest here with uh, Steve Strobridge, the original gamer. And
9: uh, we're having a great time geeking out on uh, 30-year-old hardware.
6: Having fun.
10: 80 color baseball and you're listening to coco
0: talk hey well we got you we got you back all right welcome yeah i was having a hard time adding you to that skype call and we got you on so william welcome to coco talk you're here Oh, uh, thanks. Uh,
5: good to be here, I guess. <laughs>
0: I've never heard a more enthused guest in my life, so that's <laughs> awesome. Um, we, uh, we're, we are getting ready to jump into the uh, the newbie question of the week, but since we have you here and we haven't had you on the show before, um, you want to just tell us a little bit about uh, your history with the color computer from maybe the old days to what you're doing now?
11: Uh, sure. Hopefully, you can still hear me. It's, I'm getting some stutter on my end.
2: Ah. Yes, we can still hear you.
11: Yeah. Yeah. We can hear you. Yeah. It's okay. Been- um, so basically, uh, I had a uh, when I was about five, I, uh, a relative got my parents into the color computer, and we ended up getting our own. Uh, I don't remember if it was around Christmas time or not, but. Uh, uh, that was my introduction to the color computer, and uh, I, you know, I went through all the manuals. We were subscribed to Rainbow, and uh, I just, you know, sat there and programmed on BASIC on it, and, and it just kind of got me into computers as a larger hobby. Uh, sometime around the 90s, I ended up getting a PC instead, so I could get online and well, call BBS's rather. Uh, we didn't exactly have internet yet just then, but uh, anyway. Anything- Anyway, uh, I just kind of always wanted to learn how to do machine language stuff on it, because, you know, I read so many articles on uh, on Rainbow and uh, even the, the Radio Shack manuals, and I knew there was so much more I could do with it, but we, you know, we weren't going to spring for an EDTASM cartridge or anything like that, so I pretty much, you know, didn't have any options, and, uh... uh Kind of uh, not a lot going on in my life right now, uh, work-wise, and I just kind of want something to, uh, you know, keep me occupied. And I got got into the Coco again. Now, are you mm-hmm. using a
2: real one, or are you running an emulator?
11: I I have uh, I have the, my original Coco 2. it still works. And I have a uh, oh, what was that name? Uh, Cloud Nine. I, I I bought a Cloud Nine uh, Coco Three sometime around 2010 but they're packed in boxes so i don't have room so i've been mainly using mess on linux
0: okay yeah and mess gets the job done or Mame mess whatever you want to call it now Uh, yeah Mame. what yeah right yeah very cool yeah and you had posted something on facebook where you did a little bit of a hello world thing um and i thought that was pretty cool and if you want, I can go ahead and just pull up that video and show that off real quick. I think I have that saved here. Uh, let me see if I can find yeah. it. Yeah. So one of the things that I was mentioning before, and I think you were kind of in and out of the call, but um, I you know, I like the fact that you're starting from scratch. And I know we've me- I've mentioned this to a few people, you know, would you like to share your project? And would you like to come on and talk to us about it? Or you want me to post a link to your project site? And some people are very modest and very humble when they say things like, well, you know, I haven't been doing it that long and I don't have a lot of experience or what I'm doing is not that big or not that important or not that whatever. But I, I think that, and, I, and I'm not alone, but I probably speak for, I'm going to guess and say the 80% or more of people who like the color computer but never learned assembly. So... For somebody like you, even though it's your first time and you're doing it, you're starting a journey that a lot of us haven't started yet, so to, so to see it from, uh, we can, I think we can relate to you more than having somebody who's fluent in it um, try to explain it to us because their knowledge base is so much larger. So I kind of like the fact that you're starting a journey. And I think it would be interesting if you want to share some more of these videos with us or talk to, him, talk to us. I don't want to put you on the spot today, but if, you know, in the future, if you want to come on and just talk about what you're working on and what you've learned and what you've done or just you know, give me a link and something to show, I think it would be really interesting for other people to want to watch as well. So
11: Yeah. Um, oh, sorry. Uh, pretty much everything that I've done so far is up on my GitHub. There's a link, on, uh, I think, on that video, actually. Okay, well, I'm going to go ahead and pull this up. This
0: is from Facebook right now. And we'll make this full screen. And, okay, looks like you're running in Linux right now, right? Uh, Yes. That's definitely not OS 9, is it?
11: (laughs) No, it's just a terminal. And I have a make file set up. Oh, sorry, I'll let you go.
0: Yeah, there you go. There you go. Here's your emulator. You can even hear the floppies loading. Okay. Sound and color. Hello world. There you go. This program is meant to simulate text printed to a TTY. Hello world. That's really cool. And you even hear the little clicking sounds on there, so. And it just just keeps running, right?
11: It will keep speeding up and also it'll start scrolling. Ah. Scrolling's the last thing I implemented on it. I had to do memcopy on the screen memory.
2: Now, for the sound and stuff, are you directly talking to the chips, or are you going through the basic ROM calls? Or,
11: uh, I, uh, I tried to do the DAC directly, but I'm not smart enough to deal with that yet, so I just cheated and uh, found a way to call sound.
0: Okay. There we go. Yeah, it's running faster now. That's neat. That's neat. And this, and right now, for this is more than I would know how to do, and I think a lot of people would too. So, even something as simple as this is still interesting to somebody who's interested in in starting this journey and learning about it. Yeah, I mean, scrolling
11: the screen doesn't seem like much, but when you actually have to manipulate the (laughs) the video memory to do it, it's uh, you know not quite as simple as it, it looks.
2: But it's, it's definitely, I can still remember the first time I ever got that to work on a graphics screen. It was the very first machine language routine I ever wrote was to scroll. And it was such a rush to see it running as quick as it did compared to trying to do it in BASIC.
0: Yeah, yeah, it keeps getting faster and faster. So so what are you, did you put like uh, delay loops in here and you just started um, decreasing the delay with each new yeah, cycle? Yeah, I,
11: uh, I have a subroutine that I copied off of uh, one of the assembly manuals. Uh, uh, I can't remember which author it is. It's in the. It's commented in the source code, but it's basically you can uh, vary how long it stays in the uh, timing loop okay. when you call it.
0: Yeah, it's going a lot faster now.
11: <laughs> Jim
0: Gary, it's says the type can... of
11: silly thing I used to write in Basic. You know, when I was a yeah. kid. Uh-huh. But you know, as I learn more things, I just keep uh, adding them to this program so I can see all the concepts in action. Yeah. yeah that's
0: neat. Going a lot faster. I actually like that sound. That's a neat sound. There you go. It's like the motorcycle engine.
12: Steve, it's Glenn here. Hey, I Glenn. Just to, I just wanted to say that uh, I remember when I started machine language too. The first thing I was doing was text stuff similar to this. Yeah. I remember there was a little routine in the. Um, William Borden Jr.'s book on doing a uh, bubble sort. Okay. And it would sort the screen and you just see the text flying around the screen. It's like, wow. You know, assembly that language was is the, awesome. That
11: was the That's first cool. machine code I ran. It was in the Radio Shack uh, learning assembly yeah. book. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and the first thing I, I tried to play with was the bubble sort routine. And that was so cool seeing the text move across the screen, screen like that.
12: Yeah. Yeah. That, that was neat.
11: Neat now to will there
1: be
0: a limit to this?
11: Oh uh, yeah, it'll, it'll eventually stop and return the basic from.
0: Wow. That thing's hauling butt now. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> That's mm-hmm. neat. Yeah. That's when when I get started, I'm gonna start with the William Barden book and the Ed Tasm cartridge um.
11: Yeah, uh, I think it's the Barden book that had the bubble sort. It was the very first example. Yeah.
0: yeah.
1: Yep.
11: yeah that's they, speaking of cool. Bill Barden.
1: Yeah, um, it was a great I, book. i with him a couple times. He's a nice guy. Cool. He lives out here in Phoenix. The next thing I'm working on is cool, uh, talking huh?
11: to the disk drive. And I found a couple of ways. I kind of got in an argument with someone else on there about whether or not it's a good idea to do it. But uh, I found this neat little article on page 71 of the July 83... Uh, Rainbow that shows you how to do more than just call DISCON, and you basically can uh, call the uh, call into the basic ROM and execute the uh, file I/O sta- statements from assembly. What's neat about that, though, is that the disk DDT ASM cartridge actually, uh, not uh, the the floppy, has a DOS demo on there, which they print full source code for in the manual that does the exact same thing. And I'm wondering if that would really, I don't have a Coco SDC, unfortunately, but I do plan on at least testing it with HDB DOS on drive Maybe It's actually a worthwhile thing. Either way, I'm going to experiment it with it regardless, because really, if I don't have to uh, do the tracks and sectors manually, I, I, I uh, would rather not, uh, you know, for general use. Yeah, just
2: call the ROM routines and let it worry about directories and granule tables and all that kind of thing.
11: Exactly, yeah, I, basically one of the things I want to add to this little Hello world thing I wanted to source code from disk at one point, so uh just you know, I do, like I said, I'm just keep adding to it and seeing okay, well, what can I do next that you know I, yeah. I kind of do best when i when I can actually see stuff working and how it actually works compared to what I expected it to do, you know. Yeah, it's it's one of the ironies. Yes, we're good. I, mean, uh, yeah. oh, sorry, go I uh, you know I've I've programmed in C and Perl and Python and stuff for quite a long time, so I mean it's not like this is completely an alien concept to me. But the uh, you know working at such a low level is something I've never done, and it's it definitely requires a little bit of a different way of going about uh, your thinking.
2: Yeah. I was going to say, one of the ironies of OS 9 Nitrous 9 is that while the operating oh, that's system it. itself is a lot more complicated, it does have all these APIs or system calls, as they called them back then, built in for this kind of stuff. And they're all generically made that way. So if you're writing stuff like disk I.O. or even you know screen I.O. and stuff, I mean, all that stuff's built in. And you, you, your assembly language becomes much simpler because you just set a couple of pointers and you say, go go do this for me. A lot of that stuff oh, built I'm in. I'm really
11: Nitrous excited mode. about OS 9. Nine. I mean, uh, it's it's amazing what OS nine does. Um, hey, uh, you're you're you were a MicroWare guy, right? Uh, nope. I was reading the sixty-eight oh nine journal last night, and I saw this product called RT sixty-eight. Is that like the predecessor to OS nine?
2: Yes, that was a six thousand eight hundred. Uh, went on the six thousand eight hundred. Yeah, I'm i never I never was a MicroWare, but yeah, I'm aware of RT sixty-eight. That was Ken Kaplan's first product before OS nine sixty-eight oh nine came out. The. Uh,
11: uh, the uh, ad, ad I read for it in the magazine said it could do like 16 simultaneous processes.
2: Yeah, I think that was right. I, I didn't really run it myself, but I remember reading about it and, and then Ken talking about it a few times at uh, Rainbow Fest, so.
11: I mean, I'm going to be reading through a lot of these uh, magazines. I mean, uh, I am I was just blown away. I used to read them as a kid, but, you know, I never really got this deep before, and uh, I mean, just even this disc routine thing that I pulled out of the Rainbow just surprised me. I mean, I'm, there's just so much really good information in there that I haven't even seen online. I mean, you know, aside from looking at the archive of the magazines, rather.
2: Yeah, I'm hoping someday somebody will actually digitize all the color computer news. I've only got you know, the last six months or so worth of it, but it was the most technical of the Coco magazines. So they have a okay. lot of the low-level stuff in there, but unfortunately, it's it's a much rarer magazine, too, so... Um, and it actually came up. It started before Rainbow. I think it beat it by a couple months, but but they only published it. I think until was it September of '83 or something like that, and then they folded.
0: Hmm, interesting. But yeah, I think it's a cool little project, and um, I'll, I'll put a link to it on my um, projects page of imacoconut.com. And you know, if you ever want to come back on in the future and talk more about your discoveries as you've learned new things, or <clears throat> if you just post new videos, I'll be happy to show those videos as well. But I think it's a cool project. It's a really cool subject that we are going to get into more. Uh, as yeah. time goes on well, it's
11: kind of fascinating for me i mean it's it's you know it, it's by today's standards it's an extremely simple machine but there's there's a lot you can learn about it i uh you know there's a lot more depth than i was expecting uh, at, at first
9: hello i am david ladd and you are watching coco talk the nation's leading live cocoa podcast
1: Curtis, at one time you said uh, that 30, 32K speak program, you, you use that in other programs. How yeah. would you go about um, stealing <laughs> uh, code from like a program like that? Um, it,
2: it wasn't stealing code. 32K speak, the like 16K version I think was just mainly the speak, but 32K speak would load itself into higher memory. And then you were still left at like 16K for a basic program. And there was an official way, and I'd have to find some source to find out how to do it again or find the manual. But there was an official way to actually call those routines from basic. So you just send it a text string and say, you know, hello, Ron. And you would just tell it to go speak. Because I actually wrote a couple
0: of basic programs that actually did
2: use it. That's cool.
0: Is this the one that it's a software-based speech synthesizer? Yeah. I remember that as a kid, I remember doing that too in BASIC where I was able to get it to speak inside BASIC programs. I don't remember what I did to make it work, but I remember doing that.
2: Yeah, and there's pokes you could do to change the speed of the voice too, so you can get it, like I know Ron used the default, which is kind of a bassy, low end yeah. thing, and if you sped it up it sounded a little bit better, but, uh, and double speed poke in a Cocoa 3, obviously it sounds better too, so.
0: Cool stuff, cool stuff grant you ready for your newbie question of the week sorry about that we got sidetracked a little bit (laughs) no we're good all right we're gonna run one more commercial then we'll be back with grant's newbie question of the week we'll be right back people Get ready. What's going on everybody? Original gamer Stevie Stroh here. And if you're a fan of vintage computing and retro gaming, then you're gonna love our retro swag shop at 8bit256.com. There you will find custom designs by Instagram artist Joel M. Adams. You can get Ama Coconut, Coco Talk, and other cool video game images on a t-shirt, coffee mug, or mouse pack. So if you love retro, then head on over to the retro swag shop at 8bit256.com today. Tell them the original gamer Stevie Stro sent you.
10: Hi, my name is Brennan Donahue, and you're watching the original gamer, Stevie Stroh. Hello, my name is Grant Leedy, and thank you for watching the Cocoa Talk with your host, Stevie Stroh. You got your Coco 3 yet?
0: All right, well, we're going to do the proper introduction here for Grant right now, and let us we got to do this right. This is a professional show here, folks, even though it does not have cheap Canadian labor. Um, we're going to do this right. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, are you ready for newbie talk with the newbie question of the week with Grant Leedy? Well, if you're not ready, too bad, because here it comes. All right, how do you like that? That was pretty cool. All right, Grant Leedy, how are you today, sir?
10: I am doing very good, thank you.
0: Uh, Thanks for being here with us.
10: So the uh, question of the week that I have uh, was something that you brought up last week about uh, the Cocoa Pie. Um, Okay. It's another alternative to the real real hardware or to the emulators. So the question is, what is the Cocoa Pie, and how does it actually work?
0: Okay. And do you want me to actually do a show and tell rather than just try to answer the question? Yeah, that'd be great. Okay, well, what I will warn you guys is that um, I want to do this properly when I have Ron Klein available because I know enough to be dangerous, but I'll show you what I can show you. And so the first thing I'll try to show, if you can see the camera, is that this is the actual Raspberry Pi system, and this is a Raspberry Pi 3, which I have in a clear kind of acrylic case or something like that. So it runs on a Raspberry Pi 3. So if you're familiar with the Raspberry Pi and you're familiar with... um, the project is called RetroPie. It is similar to that. The only difference is that, um, so Ron Klein is kind of the guy who has made this little project right now. And one of the things that you can see here is that um, I've actually got it booted up. And again, like I say, I know enough to be dangerous because I, the only time I went through this was when Ron was kind of walking me through it. And I don't remember everything. But I am in um, HBD hdb dos okay so i think i actually have to type in dos okay so yeah i had actually mounted nitrous nine in here so the uh okay so i've actually booted up into nitrous nine on one of these images that he has created uh i don't remember how to get out of here so is it just escape yeah okay so i just hit escape to get out so here's what coco pie looks like when you boot up it's menu driven so it's running in raspberry pi it's running the raspbian operating system but what he didn't do is he didn't put the GUI on here. So we're booted up into kind of like a text menu. And um, there's 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 different options. And this is, I think, his kind of stock option here right now. But So he's got HDB DOS with drive wire, uh, RGB DOS with a hard drive, Nitrous 9, ya DOS. There's a Coco 3. There's a Coco 2 you could run. He's even got a version of xroar in here. But, for example, if I hit number 5 to load up a Coco 2 with HDB DOS and I just hit OK I'm basically booting into a Coco 2. Now one of the things that he has also done with this and I'll try to switch over to my other screen to um, see if I can explain this a little bit better because most of these things I know enough to be dangerous on but this he's got drive wire running in here so I need to switch over to my full screen doohickey here Now, um, there is a DriveWire server that's running on the RetroPie. And if I bring up DriveWire on my computer, and what is it, the DriveWire um, UI, right, DW4UI? Okay, let me see if I can pull this up without crashing my system right now. Um, One of the things that Ron showed me that I could do is you could actually use the, um, the DriveWire server the uh, DriveWire software on your PC, and I've got it connected to the DriveWire on on the actual Raspberry Pi. So right now in DriveWire, uh, Drive Zero is running a Nitrous 9 disk, and then Drive One is running DK Remix. And I could actually reassign or remount these drives using my computer, and the minute I do that, um, they're gonna show up in, in DriveWire on that machine. So for for example, right now, this Donkey Kong Remix, that's in Drive One, if I was to switch back to um, to the to the Coco 3, and of course now I need to I need to exit out of here, and I need to go back to one and run a Coco 3. So if I press one for Coco 3, but it's definitely a neat little project, and um, I do want to show this project off once I get Ron Klein on the hook here to do that. Um, but so- there the, there's an image you can download that you can then burn onto an SD card to boot into this.
10: And what hardware do we uh, do? you need to have to do
0: this? You need a Raspberry Pi 3. Any over-the-counter Raspberry Pi 3, and those things average about $35. You need a micro SD card, probably about 8 gigs in size, maybe a little bit bigger. And then you need something to provide power to the Raspberry Pi 3. It gets its power over a USB. It Basically, you can use a cell phone charger to power it up or just any mini micro um, USB cable. Um, you have to run a program that burns the image onto the SD card from your PC and once you've done that it will boot up into the operating system. Um, The one thing that makes this a little bit I wouldn't say complicated but just an an extra step and this is similar to what Glenn had to do with his Pac-Man, Glenn did not um, circulate the ROMs with the software because that's kind of one of the agreements of MAME so uh you have to basically when you boot up the cocoa pie the ROMs are not in it. But the neat thing about what um, Ron Klein did is if you get the Coco Pie on your Wi-Fi or if you get it on your home network, you can browse to it. It's got an SMB share and you can see it like a shared folder, and then you can access those ROMs directories and just drag all the ROMs into it. So you need like your Cocoa 1 ROM, your Cocoa. Any ROM you would need to put into the MAMs, the Mame ROMs directory, you need to put into this one as well. Um, and then once you do that, it, it does have a lot of software already installed on it as far as disk images and cartridge images. So there is a lot of preloaded software, but it's just not circulated with the Cocoa 1, 2, and 3 um, ROM images that contain the Microsoft basic and things like that.
10: Are there any disadvantages to this over the uh, real hardware?
0: The disadvantage? Well, you can't plug anything into it. You know, you can't plug in a Cocoa SDC. You can't plug in a regular Tandy joystick or anything else. But everything is emulated. Um, you can plug in a like an Xbox controller and use that as your joystick. You can plug in a... Uh, it has Bluetooth. You could pair a Bluetooth keyboard and mouse to it. You could pair a Bluetooth joystick to it. Um, so the disadvantage is that you can't plug in any real Coco hardware to it. But the um, the benefit is, is it'll run software, and you know it'll 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 run a Coco 3. So if you wanted to have a Coco 3 and you couldn't afford a real Coco 3, you could put together this system for well under a hundred dollars, and have it and have an emu, have basically have a portable emulator. You know. How is its performance uh, versus the FPGA projects? Mm, I don't have an FPGA, so I couldn't tell you. I mean, I okay. ran a few things with, um, with Ron. It should perform as good as a standard Cocoa 1, 2, or 3 does. Okay. It's not How- going to perform any faster than that because the emulators aren't designed to do that.
11: I'm not a hardware guy, but would it be possible to, to make like a custom hardware that basically looks like a multi-pack, but it talks to an emulator over a network or something? Would that be fast enough to really, you know, move stuff over the bus into like a emulated machine and actually plug real hardware into it?
0: Would it be possible to build a multi-pack style Coco that that accepts the real hardware?
11: Yeah, like basically, you know, just like like you know, some sort of networked uh, microcontroller thing that has like a bus on it to plug cards into, and then have that talk to an emulator somehow. And make the devices, you know, visible to. I don't know. I'm just, 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 just a oh, thought. You're, so that you're I just basically had.
0: talking about like a hardware to emulation bridge.
11: Yeah. yeah. You can
0: plug yeah. real hardware in and have the emulator see it.
11: Theoretically, yeah, I mean, it's now. I. Have, it's not been implemented as far as I know, but it's just an idea that popped in my head as you were talking about plugging hardware yeah. into it. But.
5: Theoretically, you can make something that looked like the uh, Coco's hardware bus that could be added to the Pi. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't know how much I/O is available, but, yeah, you could then, you know, then plug actual hardware into it and then have the MAME interface with it. Yeah. By the way, we have a question on the uh, live chat on YouTube from uh, okay. Nick Marientis. Uh, Marionette? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, the OS9
2: guru, yeah.
0: Okay.
5: Yeah, it says something about what happens when there's an update to MAME.
0: Yeah, well, uh, I would imagine whatever the normal process is in Linux to do that. I don't know if it's an app get or something like that to, to get it. Um, I don't know if, if maybe, da- is David Ladd still here? David, could you answer that question?
9: You have to build it yourself.
0: Oh, you have to build it yourself. So I think, I think basically Ron is maintaining this. And so um, either you have to build it yourself or maybe wait for the next image to be re-released and just re-burn the latest image. And I guess then the downside becomes, are you storing personal data on your flashcard? And you, maybe you need to offload that. Um, the nice thing about this though, is that it does get on your home network very easily. So it's, in order to copy information in and out of the Raspberry Pi through a normal Samba share, it shows up like a normal Windows PC on your LAN. Um, you can access all the various shares that are on there. So if you had like disk images that you were storing on that, I'm, I guess you could pull them off to one of your home computers, reimage your SD card, and then just stick them back on there. You know, not Steve, super, I, not I super elegant. I remember elegant. talking
12: to Ron about that earlier, and I remember him saying something about he'll be able to just update the meme itself, and you okay. won't have to reformat. You know, okay. or copy all your stuff and then format and copy it back. Okay. But uh, I I haven't talked to him about it specifically in a while, but I remember him yeah wanting it to be a little simpler for the users.
0: Yeah, well, Well, that's... While it's doing
12: upgrades.
1: um,
0: Okay, and that's why I really want to... I do want to have a formal presentation on this when I can get Ron Klein booked to do it. His schedule has been hectic. Um, It is a neat project, and I didn't do it any justice. (laughs) 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 Now, do you have that
5: little case for it as well?
0: I do have the 3D printed case that I got from Glenn Hewlett. I'll make my camera big here for just a second. Um, I got this case from uh, Cocoa Fest. I'm not using the case because I found that trying to get things in and out of here, it was just a little bit, it made me nervous because the, the retro pie was not staying still um, and things like that. And it wasn't completely easy to get things in and out. So I think this is just going to be cooler to keep the cocoa case as a cocoa case. So what I ended up doing for my Raspberry Pi is I just got a clear acrylic case to put it in. And um, it's just a heck of a lot easier to get to the USB ports on it and everything else and the power ports. So for me, this just was the uh, the accessibility was better this way. And I didn't want to break the Pi and I didn't want to break the case. So I like that case too much.
5: This just means you need to buy another uh, Pi 3 to stick in that uh, case.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now what I do have <laughs> is I do have the USB to Coco joystick adapter. So I do have the ability to run a real Cocoa joystick on my um, on my Raspberry Pi. And that's something that the real Tandy Corporation is working on too. So uh, Tandy Computer Corporation, which is Darren Grant in the U.K., they are working on a Cocoa to USB adapter, Coco joystick to USB adapter. So that will be an official Tandy product that will hopefully be available in the near future where you can plug in real Cocoa joysticks to a PC or a Raspberry Pi or anything else.
5: Hi, this is Mark Overholzer, and you're listening to Coco Talk. The nation's leading weekly live talk show about the Tandy Color Computer.
3: Cool.
5: Yeah. Um, it's definitely a neat project,
0: and it's something it's got me wanting to learn more about um, Linux. Okay, so Nick Mar- Marionettes is saying, "How long does it take from power on till the Coco Three and RS Basic prompt appears?" Okay. Um, so let's do that right now. Six seconds so far. 10 seconds 20 seconds okay it took 20 seconds to boot to the menu and then now from the time I go to the menu to loading up a cocoa so I'm at 334 and 33 of course now okay so because it took me longer to hit the right key that took about two or three seconds so uh, let's just say about 30 seconds from the time you plug it in cold boot to being in a Cocoa, it's about 30 seconds.
2: Now, can you set it up to default? Like, if you say wanted to just run a Cocoa 3, can you set it up so it just automatically
0: boots into it without the menu? Or? Probably.
12: Yeah, I'm pretty sure because it's, it's just a script that yeah, comes yeah, up there. Yeah, these, oh, okay. these,
0: these are literally just you know, scripts that you run. So, um, yeah, and so right now, what his script is doing is it's pulling up the menu file, which is literally a text file. And with like some ANSI codes to make it colorful. And Steve, then, can you
12: just press eight there? Just want to eight. see toggle menu type, maybe have something to do with that. I'm not
0: okay, sure. Okay, now you've got a vertical menu.
12: Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. I haven't played with it myself for a little while, yeah, so I thought if maybe
5: you, it was I if you just something changed the on there. Ooh, Tandy Assembly 2017 edition.
0: Yes. Cool. Well,
5: when's that happening?
0: Oh yeah, October second and third. We'll get to Tandy assembly. Yeah, um, yeah. So, the, so there's different menus. So there's this. There's the um, kind of command prompt menu, and then there's the you know kind of up and down uh, text text GUI menu. Um, there's a way to start and start start and restart your drive wire, adjust volume, run Raspberry Pi config. There's a way to get your Raspberry Pi onto your Wi-Fi things like that. Uh, oh,
12: I I think he also has the LW tools. Already um, installed on here, he so might. you could just you could do some you know assembly language and then a- assemble it here to do some testing. I'm pretty sure Ron was going to include that if he didn't already. Maybe just type uh, LWSM just to see. Hmm. I think that was that was okay. Maybe uh, minus minus yeah, eight for there. help or something.
0: Yeah. Nick is asking should it be able to run Popstar Pilot and I would say yes it should but um, my problem is is getting a Popstar Pilot disk into it so uh, I'll try it real quick I'm gonna try one more time I'm gonna bring up my DriveWire there's something in DriveWire and I think I know what it is so it's DW4 UI and this is why I wish I had Ron here there's something in DriveWire where you have to there's something you have to ordinarily turn off to work on a real Coco that you have to turn on in this one, and I forgot what it was. I think it was called the HDB DOS emulation or something like that. So let me try um, this real quick.
12: I'm number go 12 over. there said to start it. Is it already started? Uh, I guess I'm it is. You were, you were using Nitrous 09
0: before. How do I? Uh, David, Tool. you still there?
1: Second one down.
0: HDB. Yeah. okay. So I just turned on HDB DOS translations. That's what was missing. Okay. So what um, what Nick Morantis is asking is, could I um, could I load um, uh, Popstar Pilot on this right now? So I'm going to try to insert a disk on here. Now I can either browse to content that lives on the actual um, drive wire, or, or excuse me, on um, so like right now if I go to slash home slash pi this is all searching for folders on the Raspberry Pi I'm pretty sure that um, he doesn't have um, I'm pretty sure that he doesn't have pop star pilot distributed on here but what I could do is I could then do this and I could browse I guess to my computer uh, while I'm doing that how about we run a commercial while I get this crap ready <laughs> What's going on everybody? Original Gamer Stevie Stroh here, and when you are done with Coco Talk, why not head on over to my YouTube channel and get your share of gameplay goodness. There you will find everything from the old school to the next gen. There are video game reviews, interviews, how to's, and replays of Coco Talk. So for all of your video game needs on YouTube, head on over to youtube.com slash OG Stevie Stro for your share of gameplay goodness today.
7: At home, at the beach, in your car, at the shop, at the office, anywhere you enjoy fine audio programming, it's North America's premier source for color computer news, the Cocoa Crew Podcast.
3: This is John Linville and Neil Blanchard and we are the Coco Crew. I hope it's going to be a great show. Join
7: John and Neil each month as they bring the latest news about the Color Computer, Dragon, MC 10, and others. It's the Coco Crew Podcast. Visit www.cococrew.org and listen today. You're listening to the
3: Coco Crew Podcast.
0: All right, I think I got it all figured out right now. I got Popstar Pilot loaded onto disc three. Thanks for putting me on the spot like this. It makes me look like I'm a professional guy here. (laughs) All right, so we're going to go into... I have to have the right wireless keyboard here now too. All right, so we're going to go over to option number one. We're going to pull up a Coco 3. And now that I have that HDBD DOS translation thing turned on... um, This freaking thing's not working. All right, here we go. So now if I type in dir space... That's Popstar. Okay, so if I type in Drive2, which I've mounted through DriveWire, and I type in dir, and I just run Popstar. Okay, This should run it. Checking chip RGB. Okay, and it's loading up. So I don't know if Nick is still there. Uh, And here we go. Here's Popstar Pilot running on this. So, will it read my joystick? Press any key to start. I don't know if it's going to read my joystick right now or not. Okay. Okay, (laughs) the the joystick reading is a little bit off, but I'm sure that's something I can mess with. But yeah, the, the scrolling seems to be pretty smooth. So I have not tweaked what the inputs are for this. Right, so I'd actually have to go to, M- and see, even this, my, my keyboard is a little bit off. My keyboard's wigging out, and I'm not sure what's causing that. So that's something I don't have the time or patience to mess with. But to answer Nick's question, I think, th- I think the answer is yes, it can run Popstar Pilot.
2: I would assume uh, it would be able to run 6.309 as well then, too, right? Well, you run
0: running uh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, so I don't know what the heck the deal is here. On my, on my inputs, yeah. So that's something I'd have to figure out with how do I tweak what the inputs are and in my joystick settings. And even now when I press tab to bring up that menu, this is freaking out. So like you see how it's kind of scrolling up and down. I don't know if that's my wireless keyboard or if it's also reading the joystick as part of this. And these are things that I just don't understand enough about the thing to fix. But I think it's reading my joystick and it's spazzing out right now. Um, so I can't like change the input settings on here. There's got to be a different way to do that. So if I take off that keyboard menu, um, but yeah, I mean, it runs. And it seems yeah, pretty it's me,
12: so it'll run everything,
0: right? Yeah. But the question is, is will it perform as good as a real Coco three? Um, and I think it's okay. Now, unfortunately, again, I can't control it smooth enough so we could see how smooth it plays, uh, yeah, and the reason why it's loading quicker is because it's running in the double speed poke, and it's and it's loading it off a of drive wire. So yeah, it does load a little bit faster. Um, so really, what is Cocoa Pi? Is it's a Raspberry Pi running MAME, running color computer stuff, but it's a real custom thing that Ron Klein has tweaked for us, and he's put a lot of cool features in here, uh, like the fact that we can um, the fact that we can do this over drive wire. And the fact that we can use DriveWire on our PC to talk to the DriveWire server running on the Cocoa Pi and load up the disks there and not have to do it through the Cocoa Pi itself. you know So DriveWire is acting like a client and a server talking to DriveWire on another machine. I think that's pretty brilliant, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think there's a lot of cool things to it. And one of the reasons why I've kind of just resisted talking about it is you're seeing now because I look like an idiot right now trying to show you what it does. Um, But it is really cool. It's a really cool project. Um, A Raspberry Pi by itself. The Raspberry Pi that I purchased, I think I got for $44, and it came with a wall, you know, thing you can plug into the wall to charge it, and it came with some heat sinks and a few things like that, you know. So there's a lot of different ways you can buy a Raspberry Pi 3. You can buy a single board by itself for $25, $35. You can buy kits um, with plastic cases and other accessories and things like that. So,
1: Stevie. Yeah. How did the uh, Raspberry Pi get the name? I don't know. And what does it mean? You know? Honestly, uh, I, I used
2: I used to know this too because they've uh, on Twitter they've actually interviewed the person that created this in the first place. But I honestly can't remember the story anymore.
12: I think it was supposed to be something about um, because it was geared for education. They wanted it to be something friendly. I think okay. that was something to do with it. But yeah, I, I don't know exactly it. either.
5: Yeah, I know it's developed in Cambridge by some by a group that remembered the BBC Acorn and thinking about how it really inspired uh, people. Uh
0: Feiscap is saying it's based on the legacy of fruit based names PCs like the Apple the <laughs> <Yeah>, Apricot. <laughs> and it's geared towards Python development. Yeah, it was. Um, when it first came out, the original Raspberry Pi, it was it was remarkable that you could buy a computer that could run Linux for about thirty five dollars. When Raspberry Pi first came out, it was like a thirty five dollar machine for the yes. first for the first version of it. Um, we're now yep. on the Raspberry Pi three, and the one thing I do know is that the the main OS it runs is called Raspbian, which is a hybrid of Raspberry and debian right so it's it's a form of the debian linux that it runs Um, And nick
2: has a good point in chat too he said the price is certainly a big advantage over the fpga builds because like you know 40 bucks versus 200 to get you know the nano or the coco fpga to right right. now mind you those are more hardware emulators with emulate you know more hardware two of them but
5: yeah 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 and it's a good thing, too, is there's only like five or six different variations of the Raspberry over its lifetime, so it's very consistent hardware, so when you build right. it, you know exactly what you're getting.
0: So, there, there, you know, you could get something like this case, and you could put it in a case. Now, what Ron Klein has actually done is he's actually put the Raspberry Pi inside a real Coco 3 case, and what Chris Hawks of Hawksoft has done, who's from the Glenn side, he has created a USB to Coco keyboard adapter. So you can take that Mylar ribbon cable that plugs into the Cocoa motherboard. It will receive that and then convert that to USB. So you can plug in a real Cocoa keyboard into your Raspberry Pi. So Ron Klein has actually built his Raspberry Pi inside a Coco 3 <coughs> keyboard with a Cocoa 3 uh, case and keyboard running his Raspberry Pi 3, um, which is kind of cool. Um, the fact it's running MAME, Uh, it means it does pretty good on emulating. Karen is here right now, too. Karen has developed a version of Xroar for it, too, right? Or maybe Karen just dropped off. Um, But, yeah, Karen was tweaking a version of Xroar to run for the Raspberry Pi 3 as well, and Xroar's got the best color emulation that there is. Um, So, anyway, yeah. I mean, I know I didn't do it a lot of justice, and I probably spent 10 times longer than was needed to show it off, but hopefully I answered some of your questions on what it is.
10: Yeah, I think it's gonna. I think it's gonna be a great uh, um, replacement for the real thing. You know, as they're gonna be harder and more expensive to come by. So to get yeah. newer people into it, it's gonna be a another.
0: Uh, right, and Karen, you're back, right, Karen? Can you, Karen? You also released a version of XROR to run on the Raspberry Pi too, right? I'm not sure of Karen. Karen, can you hear us? Anyways, it's there. I've seen it. It's on there, um, and, I, and I think it's been optimized to run on that. It definitely is a. It's a, It's an affordable way to run a Cocoa, and because everything's on that kind of um, micro SD card, it makes it very easy to get to your content. Uh, I'm not sure how super duper elegant it is. Again, I wish Ron was here. There is a way to get to a way to load files that's easier than what I'm showing you through the normal main menu. He added something to a menu, so when you hit tab, there's a way to get to a list, a list of disks that you can load that are pre-populated. Um, we just had somebody subscribe. Lego versus Minecraft subscribe. Thank you. Um, so yeah, and, so, and Fiscap is asking, Does, does um, do you know if Ron plans to be at Tandy Assembly? I believe he said he did. So I might actually drag mine to Tandy Assembly and have it plugged in, too. I plan on bringing a real Cocoa. Maybe I'll bring a, my Cocoa Pie as well, especially, especially after I get it plugged in and figured out how it works, and I'll have the Tandy um, joysticks working on it and stuff like that, so it might be neat to show off. Where's that Cocoa yeah. Pie uh, at? Is it on the, uh, the um, archives? Uh, it might be on the archives, but it's on my, it's on my website, amacoconut.com. So if you go to amacoconut.com and click on Downloads, there's three different links for it. I'm hosting it on my website. Rick Adams is hosting it, and Simon Jonasson is also hosting it in uh, Denmark. So we've got two different uh, U.S. links and a U.K. mirror as well where you can get the image. And you got to burn the image onto an SD card with a piece of software. that is what? called It's called Win32 Disk Win Imager. There's a link to the software you need, too, on there. Yeah. So if you go to amacoconut.com and then you click on Downloads, It'll be there. You'll see a link for the Raspberry Pi. And on that page, you can download the image as well as download the tool you need to burn it onto the SD card. And it's imacoconut.com, right? imacoconut.com
1: Hey, Steve, can uh, you uh, run that software on a laptop with Linux on it? uh that you have to ask Ron Klein. I mean probably
0: you could, but uh I don't know enough about Linux to dissect it, but yeah, it's a bunch of scripts and it's a it's a bunch of stuff in folders. So, I would say it, yes. on on Linux. So, yeah. Yeah, but now you would, th- you'd th- have
12: to compile it yourself or find a version of mame for that laptop. So, because it's um risk-based on the Raspbian, right?
11: Right. That's an ARM processor,
0: not an Intel. Right. Mm. Right. So- yeah but it's it's pretty neat that it's fairly self-contained its fairly user-friendly its you know one person has been working on this project and I think he's done a hell of a job with it and its you know like anything else from humble beginnings it will it'll grow into something more than that one of the things that is rather nice about the the RetroPie is it does have that front end GUI where you can use your joystick and scroll around and choose what type of system you want to emulate and then scroll through the gallery of artwork of which image you want to load. So it doesn't have that, but it's not to say that it couldn't. But I think one of the things he did is it's really optimized because it's not running the X-Windows, it's not running a GUI. Um, it's, uh, everything is talking directly to the video driver from MAME, so it's using MAME's own interfaces, and that's been optimized. The resolution it runs in has been optimized. So everything he did was to tweak it to get the, the most frames per second and smoothness and performance out of Cocoa. Um, so it is a it's a super optimized Cocoa emulation package that he's that he's developed. You know.
1: Speaking of emulation, did um, I, I read somewhere that uh, there was a Z eighty emulator on on the Cocoa? A Z eighty
0: emulator
2: that runs on the Cocoa? Yeah, yeah, there's a CPM emulator on the Cocoa. I don't know if it was. Z eighty specifically. There's videos of it up on. It's it's not the quickest thing in the world either, but it uh, runs under OS nine, and uh, he was running like WordStar and stuff off of it. So okay.
11: yeah, you can search for it on YouTube. The demo is really quite impressive.
1: I thought that's pretty cool to emulate another computer from the Coco. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah, well, that's kind of what like all mm-hmm. these
1: transcodes are doing,
0: you know. Yeah, like uh, Donkey Kong and Donkey Kong Pac-Man and, and Pac Man and... transcode have been basically. Translating to the Z80. Uh, Jim Gary has corrected me. It's Z80. Um, yeah. He's, he's right. <laughs> yeah, come
2: on.
1: Zilog. <laughs> What's that? Zilog? Z I L O G? Zilog, yeah. Zilog? Yeah. 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 I can tell you for sure, MAME won't run on the Pi.
0: MAME does run on the Pi. Well not the one I tried. <laughs> okay, well the Raspberry Pi three it does. We just we just showed it off. You did. That's what Promise. the Co- that's what the Coco Pi is. It's the it's Raspberry Pi three running running MAME to emulate Coco One, two, and three.
4: And I've got it running on my Raspberry Pi version B. Okay. So ah.
0: the,
9: the one key is is that so many people make this mistake is that just because it says Linux doesn't mean it's going to run because there's ARM, RISC um, there's still some devices that are still using the PowerPC CPUs and each of those are completely different CPUs and thus, just because it says Linux doesn't mean it's going to work you have to build the binary for the CPU that you're using it on
0: found that out yeah it's cool stuff um hey steve, hey steve yeah. how's the weather out there right now uh as far as i can tell it's fine i don't hear anything i got my headphones on but uh, the house isn't shaking <laughs> or anything like that so all right uh, um david did you have anything technical you wanted to talk about this week
9: um well curtis and i wanted to make a small announcement just it's a small thing so otherwise i don't have much to discuss other right. than that. you've been
0: sick this week so okay well let me uh let me cue you guys in with your little infographic here so hold on one second how
8: do you like that
0: Nothing's cooler than being introduced by the speech and sound cartridge.
6: Yeah.
2: (laughs) Next,
0: we'll do a speak-up version. Yeah. (laughs)
9: Um, So the thing that has come up, and it's, I think, uh, Barry brought this up probably almost a year or two ago now. Um, Cave Walker, um, when it was developed, was actually made so it would run on. OS 9 level 1 or level 2 but it shipped on OS 9 level 1 because more people had Cocoa 1 and 2's um, but something Barry found out that Cave Walker wouldn't run on Nitrous 9 level 2 on real hardware and um, the funny thing is though is if you run that exact same image on VCC, it runs. Which is, of course, we know how unreliable VCC is, so... <laughs>
0: okay.
9: Um, but, um, so, Curtis had me doing some tests, and I certainly got a crash course on using DED in Nitrous 9, and uh, he is- had me trying some... S- what is um,
0: DED? Is that an editor? Yeah, disk editor. Yeah. Okay.
9: And uh, Curtis had me disassemble all the binaries for Cavewalker, and I sent him to him. And then using MAME, I did a um, trace of the stuff that was going on, and I sent that to Curtis. And he had me trying some stuff, um, and we managed to get it working but I don't know how Curtis you'd probably have a better chance of explaining what it was doing with something with the inter- the IRQ interrupt for Yeah, bas- uh,
2: basically like we we ran a trace on it a month or two ago when I had a brief blip of free time and found out that it was getting stuck in a loop in the kernel like right in the OS9 itself like in the system and it was getting stuck in an infinite loop, basically. It just kept looping through this table over and over again. and just would never come out. So that's why the machine froze. It wasn't actually frozen, like, dead. It was actually just stuck in an infinite loop in, in OS9P1. So this time around, when he did it again, um, I decided to try to take a look if there was anything weird that was going on. And from the looks of the... Which which module was it? Cave main or cave? I can't even remember now.
9: It was cave. It cave. was um, enabling the V-Sync IRQ, I think he was Yeah. Saying.
2: Well, one of the first things it does is it enables the um, PIA version of the V or the VSync IRQ, which OS9 level two you normally let the gimme handle that, and it immediately. We're looking at the trace. As soon as they enabled that, it immediately jumped off like the IRQ triggered, and it went running off into the system table, and I'm guessing I, I haven't fully figured out why, but it, it looks like I think it's trying to go through the IRQ table because OS9 builds a table of every. Device you have set up to handle IRQs, and then it has these masks and stuff. It does to figure out okay which hardware device actually triggered it, because the Cocoa doesn't have an actual IRQ controller like a PC does. So you have to guess. You know, is it an R232 pack? Was it, a, you know, the timer? Was it you know, whatever? And I think what is happening is that because OS9 itself builds its tables as it boots up and the drivers kick in and stuff. So you know, the mouse driver and the keyboard driver and the clock driver all trigger the gimme to do the VSync uh, IRQ. The way Cavewalker was doing, it was doing it manually, not telling OS9 about it whatsoever. So basically, it was causing IRQs to start getting generated, but it wouldn't... Hello? Yeah. Of course, (laughs) that happens right now.
0: Is that a fax? Ah, well, good to hang up. Is is 1980 Uh, calling with a fax? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, That's a landline, kids. Uh. Um.
2: So basically what is happening is that the IRQ table that OS9 uses to go through to figure out what device is triggering IRQ and then to call that appropriate driver to handle it. Cavewalker's cheating and enabling IRQ for its own purposes, but not telling OS9. So it was triggering, running off to the IRQ service routine, which is then busy going through all of of its checks to figure out what triggered it, but nothing that OS9 knows about triggered it. So it goes all the way through the loop and goes, I can't find it. I better try again. Just in case you know, I have a slow piece of hardware and it, it didn't figure out the mask and it just goes in an infinite loop getting stuck trying to find this irq that's never been put into the table and that's why i think it was hanging because we just we basically just took uh the, the enabling of the irq out we just no opt it changed three bytes in the code and uh, the other thing we did too is hard-coded to use term and it needs vdg term um and uh, this is one, one thing about the repository, I and mean, maybe some people that have been more involved with the repository know the reasoning for this. But back in the OS9 level two days, and, and then into the 9 days, we had a VDG descriptor called VERM, V-E-R-M. And the whole point and purpose of that was is that you could have a term for your windowing system and a term for your VDG, both loaded at the same time. And if you had any of the old level one games or level one programs that were hard-coded to use term, because that's all you had back then, um... If you needed to patch it you could just patch it quickly you just take ded or disk editor or whatever go in and change the t to a v re-verify the module and if you ran it it would run fine Um, but for some reason that got removed in the repository now it doesn't get built you don't get it normally and you can't patch in any of these ones that we're looking for term are looking for a thing that's four characters long and if you try to patch it to use v1 or v2 or some of the other vdg windows that are built in it never matches because it's trying to find a four-byte match with V1, so it's picking up whatever garbage is after and going that doesn't match. So uh, we had to do two patches. We had to patch. We we had to put the verm descriptor into your boot. We had to patch the hard-coded term access to read to verm, so it actually gets the VDG version, not the windowing version. And then we just basically ripped out the uh, enable the PIA version of the VSync timer RQ, and then it started working in main. And now Cave Walker is running. Now David's been ill. And I haven't had a chance to fire up my cocoa in two months. We haven't tried it on real hardware yet. But Mame's pretty decent at doing real hardware emulation properly. Like if he tried it on VCC, I wouldn't quite trust whether it's going to work on real hardware or not. But in this case, I think we find out what's causing it. And it might be the cause of uh, problems with, I think it was Interbank Incidents, the other one that crashes.
9: Yeah, I think Interbank is also one that just hangs as well. Um, okay,
2: so yeah, if we're lucky, Nitrous this 9. this this patch and the way we did it should work on both. Once we figure out the addresses to change in in Interbank as well, but it appears we might have Cavewalker running under Nitrous Nine again.
1: I have a question. Hey, um, sometimes if I fire up like uh, uh, a writer program or something, and we have a, a joystick that we have to plug in. Um, in the color computer, probably in DOS, you know, RS, Radio Shack DOS. Do you have, in order for the um, mouse pointer to work, do you have to have it plugged in already, or you can, can you plug it in after the program's already loaded? How does plug, uh,
2: plug it in already after it's loaded? It's just reading analog pots, and it really doesn't care.
1: Okay, I you wondered about it. that because there are times that that has worked, and it flips me out because with uh, you know uh, a uh, MS-DOS machine or whatever you have to have the driver in first
9: well on MS-DOS machines also with like the PS2 mice um, PS2 keyboards you cannot plug those in when the system's on otherwise right. you risk blowing the um PS2 controller on the motherboard um, there's yeah, a lot P- of stuff that you PS2 is not well
2: thought out-designed.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, it's not hot-swappable, and that one also had to be detected by the BIOS when you first booted it up, or if it didn't, if BIOS yeah. didn't see it, then the computer would never know they were there. But Coco's yeah. not like that.
2: Right? Which, which is weird, because the original PC-XT is like the old mice. Like a serial mouse, you can plug in whenever the heck you want, and then right. the USB mice, you can plug in whenever the heck you want. I don't know why they went backwards to doing the PS2 one, keyboard and the mouse, both.
0: Yeah. It's
2: a dumb design decision, mm-hmm. but... But the Kobo, uh, no, it's just reading analog. You can plug them in whenever you want. You can plug in the high-res joystick interface whenever you want. Same thing. That was the next question.
0: <laughs> yeah, Jim Gary is saying, is Multiview running on Nitrous 9? Yes, an yes. improved version of it. An improved version of it. In fact, <laughs> uh, on Ron's uh, page there, I
2: put up a picture because he, yeah. he was running uh, stock Multiview, and I showed him what the Nitrous 9 version looks like.
1: Hmm. Is that available on the um, archive?
2: Uh, It's in the repository. Is it on the Archive? I didn't really look, to be honest.
9: I don't think it's in the Archive,
4: Kurt, but it's in in SourceForge's third-party section. Sorry, what was that, David?
9: Uh, I was going to say, the original release of Multiview is on the Archive. Um, There still needs to be some tweaks to the Multiview that's in the repository to bring it up to the stuff that you keep wanting. As default settings. But
2: Yeah, like the the, the the environment file that it uses to do all of its defaults, they're still using the stock one. So it's missing a lot of the extra stuff we added. So that's gonna be cleaned up at well, some point. Well that's
0: cool though. So basically um you guys have solved the problem that uh, as uh, up until now has not been solved.
2: We hope. We have to try it on real hardware.
0: Okay. But that's pretty cool. That's very cool. Well thanks for doing that. We also
2: figured out a change of palettes too because David always hated the way it changed the colors in every room you went in so we've kind of figured out how to fix that too. That's more of an optional one obviously.
0: Okay.
9: Yeah because Cave Walker on OS 9 level 2 every room had its own color set so when you went on a Coco 3 that is. So Mm. when you went into each of those different rooms you got a completely different set of colors which, for me, drove me completely ape. <clears throat> and okay. I just, I said, no, I can't stand this. There's got to be a way to turn this off.
2: <laughs> I believe it made all your hair fall out, didn't it? <laughs> no, that
9: was already gone before I was out of high school, so. Oh, okay.
2: Oh, wow. all I had right, to one, one David Rib there today, so.
0: Well, let's just say thank you to you guys. And I'm sure if it's not completely... Polished, it will be, and that's pretty cool. That's definitely pretty cool. Um, let's switch gears now for just a minute and let's take a look at what's new and exciting with Tandy Assembly. Tandy Assembly would like to thank our sponsor, Coco Talk.
7: Coco Talk is the nation's leading live talk show about the Tandy color computer, airing live each week on YouTube with video and audio replays available. Join Coco Talk to discuss community projects, hardware and software, interviews, reviews, Demos and tutorials. For more details about Coco Talk, visit CocoTalk.live. Thank you to Coco Talk for being a Tandy Assembly sponsor.
8: You've been hearing
7: all the buzz about Tandy Assembly. All Radio Shack and Tandy computer models under one roof. It's happening October 7th and 8th in Chillicothe, Ohio. Don't miss our guest speakers including Don French of TRS-80 fame, game designer Lance Miklas, and Scott Adams of Adventure International. Make your reservations today! Call 800-542-7919 and ask for the special room rate for Tandy Assembly. But hurry, the rates are only good through September 5th. Tandy Assembly. Some assembly is required. Hi, I'm Mike Rowan, one of the organizers of Tandy Assembly. We look forward to seeing everyone in Chillicothe, Ohio. I wanted to take a moment to talk to you about one of the great events at Tandy Assembly. That's the No Minimum Bid Auction. First, all of the auction items are donated. All proceeds from the auction will go toward the cost of the event. The auction is a great opportunity to get some big bargains on unusual vintage computer items. It's also a great deal of fun to see people, sometimes best friends trying to outbid each other. We certainly hope you'll join in the fun at Tandy Assembly. As I said before, all of the auction items are donated. If you have any items or duplicates in your collection that you are willing to donate to the auction, we would certainly appreciate your donations. Just bring them to Tandy Assembly or contact us through our webpage, www.tandyassembly.com. Thanks and we look forward to a great time with everyone at Tandy Assembly.
8: From Radio Shack, the TRS-80 Model 3. And at $200 off, it's a great value. Select from Radio Shack's huge program library to aid your children's education, plan your personal and household budgets, or to entertain with fast-action games. You can even learn to write programs. The TRS-80 Model 3, on sale for $7.99, only at Radio Shack and Radio Shack Computer Centers. The computer experts.
0: And if you're not uh, familiar with, with what Tandy Assembly is, well, it is um, kind of like a Cocoa Fest or kind of like a VCE, Vintage Computing uh, Festival, VCF type thing. Uh, it's kind of like one of these events, but this is the first event ever that's dedicated to all things Tandy, and this is being put together by the Cocoa Crew podcast and the trash talkers and randy Kindig of floppy days so um it is a uh, gathering if you will that's going to be taking place october 7th and 8th in chillicothe ohio and uh it's going to be a pretty cool event and this is the first of its kind and so you can think of it as a Cocoa fest plus right because not only will there be cocos there but there will be other TRS-80 machines there. There's going to be um, you know uh, from the black and white TRS-80 systems up to the IBM compatible MS-DOS based uh, Tandy systems, right? So a lot of things going on. And there's going to be, like Cocoa Fest and like a lot of these events, there's going to be speakers and events, and there's an exhibit area, right? So our keynote speakers, that lineup has not changed at this point. That's probably going to be fairly solidified since we're roughly a month away, right? So Scott Adams of Adventure International, Don French, the TRS-80 story, Lance Michalis uh, from Bank Robbers to Facebook, and Rick Adams, the Resurrection of Bomb Threat, which we saw earlier now, is available on a cartridge and will be available uh, at Tandy Assembly, which is very good. John Linville will be talking about keeping the Cocoa in the game. Peter Satinsky of the Trash Talkers is going to be talking about the, the history of the TRS-80 Model 2 line. I'll be telling my short story of my rise to mediocrity on YouTube. Uh, Brendan Donaghy will be talking about the 64 column um, text project for the Coco VGA. And Randy Kindig will be talking about Tandy's portable computers through the years. Very cool. And these are the newest lineups right now. But Arno Pewter and Sasha Herberling is an Android based emulator and retro app store for the TRS 80 Model 1 and 3, which I think is really, really cool. All right. So um, those are our speakers. We've got a lot of exhibitors, people who will be showing off things in the exhibitors' area. So I will be there with a Coco 3 running Donkey Kong remix and um, and uh, pop star pilot things like that for people to play on a uh, Wico controller. Mike Roan will be there, Richard Lorbieski will be there, Peter Satinsky will be there, Cloud9 will be there, Peter Bartlett and Malcolm Ramey will be there, Randy Kindig will be an exhibitor, Retro Innovations our friend Jim Brain. Ian Maverick all the way from Australia that's like the Australian version of uh, Ed Snyder, he does a lot of TRS-80 hardware projects. Brendan Donahue's Coco VGA, Alan Hightower, showing off uh, from the Model 1000 all the way through the Model 5000, all the different um, PC compatible Tandy Tandy lines. John Linville will be there. Evan Wright, um, showing off his Tex Adventure project. Uh, Scott Adams will be there. Michael Brandt, my um, co-pilot and carpool buddy. Rick Adams will be there, showing off Bomb Threat the Game. Brett Gordon. We'll be showing off more of Fusics or Fuzix or Fuzzics or whatever it's called, right? George Phillips from Vancouver. We're showing off TRS-80 demos and other demos. And then Fiscap will be here now. Paul Fiscarelli. Fiscarelli. So Windec Systems, Retro Computer Solutions. That's a cool-looking uh, little plate he's created there, too. I like that. So those will be our um, different exhibitors that will be showing up in the exhibit area. Um, And then we have, these are kind of, this is the schedule so far, so Saturday at 9 a.m. the show opens, 9.30 Don French's keynote address, 11 o'clock Rick Adams will be talking about bomb threat, at 12 o'clock Brendan Donahue will be talking about hacking disk extended color basic for 64 columns, Lance Michaelis will go on at 1 o'clock, at 2 o'clock Arno and Sasha will be speaking about this Android system, at 3 o'clock I'll be going on. Four o'clock will be the auction, the minimum no-bid auction. That's always a big event at Cocoa Fest, so hopefully this will be good. We're going to do a live stream. So Cocoa Talk will be live, 7 p.m. Chicago time, uh, or Ohio time, whatever time that is. right? So we're going to have similar to Cocoa Talk, and we're going to have all the podcast people together. So hopefully some guys from Cocoa Crew will be there, and the Trash Talkers will be there, and Randy Kindig will be there, Floppy Days, And we'll do a similar thing where it will be an open forum discussion with um, both a live stream and people in the audience will actually have a live audience there because people from the event will be there, so that'll be kind of interesting. This will be followed up with like the Je- Jeopardy show or the trivia show, so that's going to happen at 8:30. And then at 9 o'clock is going to be social hour. So that's a pretty full day for Saturday. And then Sunday, the show opens at 9. Scott Adams will be our keynote speaker at 9:30. Randy Kindig at 11. John Linville will close out the show at 12. And at 3 p.m., everything will shut down Sunday. And um, if you've learned anything by going to Cocoa Fest, you definitely want to make sure you stay the whole time. Um, in this case here, you know, um, uh, because when, when Cocoa Fest would end, because Sunday was the last day, some people would book their flights to fly out Sunday, and you do miss some social stuff Sunday evening. right? So if you're able to stay all day Sunday, and because we're driving there, you know, we'll be staying in the hotel through Sunday night, driving home Monday, so if there's like a dinner party or like an after party Sunday night, I'll be there for that too, which would be kind of cool. Computer shopping has never
7: been better at Radio Shack. Here's proof: our new ultra high performance 386 SX 20 megahertz computer with 85 megabyte hard drive, only $12.99, and it's from Tandy, manufacturer of the best-selling PC compatibles in America. Or get a 286-based Tandy home office computer with color monitor and hard drive, only $8.99.95. Shop your friendly nearby Radio Shack.
0: Great selection, superior service. Nobody compares. All right, so. That's what's going on uh, for Tandy Assembly. That's, it's shaping up to be quite a good little event. Uh, for those of you who can make it, I look forward to seeing you there in person. And for those of you who can't, hopefully we'll see you on the internet when we live stream some of the stuff going on there. Um, good stuff. Anybody got anything they want to chime in about uh, regarding Tandy Assembly? Wish I could make
2: it, but uh, just work schedule won't allow it. So yeah, make sure that not, not everybody buys out all of the cartridges for Bomb Threat, because I want to buy them at uh, Cocoa Fest. So,
0: Okay, well, remind me, and if I can reserve one for you, I will. I think we hey. heard from John earlier, there's only going to be about maybe 20, so limited supplies. Yeah, I don't know if he meant that as, like, the first
2: production run in general, if that's just mm. for Tandy Assembly, and there's another run for the Cocoa oh. Fest or not.
0: Right, 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 right. Okay. But, yeah, if I'm able to and, and financially capable, I'll I'll grab one for you as well.
2: Okay. If if not, I can just get it at the show because then I can get Rick to I – mean, he's coming to Cocoa yeah, Fest, too, so I can get an so autograph autograph two. So True, 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 true. Actually, I'll just wait then. and You don't know, have to haul some other extra stuff around. All
0: right. Who else here might be at uh, Tandy Assembly that's in the call right now? Grant, you're going to be there, right?
10: Yes, I am planning on going.
0: Okay. So Grant and I met for the first time at Cocoa Fest this year. Uh, David Ladd and I met for the first time at Cocoa Fest last year same with Curtis Well, you know, Curtis and I were kind of internet buddies we met in person last year at Cocoa Fest so it's kind of cool when you, you make your friends and you get to meet some people in person Mike Newman says I wish I could make it yep we wish you could make it too Mike um, it's just one Coming of those things for you. Uh, I think from we're, we're going to be leaving from central Florida so it's about 12 hours last time I checked yeah' it'll be about eleven
10: hours here from Kansas City
0: which isn't the end of the world you know and then yeah we'll probably live stream some stuff from the car trip from the road trip you know <laughs>
1: if I start walking now I'll get there in time
0: <laughs> it is um you know it is it you do have to make a sacrifice to be there right you have to make sure if you have a job that you can schedule the time off you have to make sure you can afford the hotel and travel arrangements and all that kind of stuff and I'm hoping that I'm going to be able to get a really cool something or another at the auction because I've been to two Cocoa fests, saw yes. some really cool auctions on things I could not buy because they wouldn't fit in my suitcase <laughs> what are you doing there Ron you trying to catch trying something to oh darn <laughs> are you trying to grab my mouse pointer <laughs> yeah. okay I'll leave it there for you I don't think anybody else can see that but that's why. <laughs> Ron's grabbing my mouse pointer Breaking news! Say. I just yeah. saw on the
2: Cocoa list. Tormod just said uh, Toolshed version 2.2 was just released, yeah. and HDB DOS
0: 1.5 was just released. Yay!
1: Yeah.
0: Is HDB DOS what runs on the Cocoa SDC?
3: Yep.
0: Yeah. Yep. Okay, so we've and got a I, couple a couple updates. No. No. no HDB
9: DOS is what's used for IDE controllers, SCSI controllers, mm. drive wire, um, MFM.
0: Okay, gotcha. That's SDC DOS that runs on the Cocoa yeah. SDC.
2: Yeah, Steve, if you got the Cocoa list uh, on your email, they're handy. The announcements went through
0: and there and actually lists exactly what is updated. Let me see if I can get to it. And then I think we're going to probably want to um, wrap up this week's Cocoa talk here pretty soon, too, because I do want to check on the uh, weather and everything else. All right, let me. Um, yeah, I those there they before, are the top two Yeah, nobody else can see that yet. So hold on one second. Let me switch that over. I have too many things on my screen to click on now at this point, it's becoming a challenge for me to manage all these different things. All right, so here we go. Toolshed 2.2 is released. Uh, This is Tormod. Okay, it's released today with only a few changes. Uh, Just a bit, uh, Supports larger disk images on 32-bit, thanks to David Ladd. we talked about that, right? Documents reworked, Tim Lindner. Lots of fixes and codes cleaned up, Tim Lindner. OS 9 format and OS 9 gen fixes, David Ladd. Look at, look at you, David Ladd, just taking over the world of floppies here. <laughs> <laughs> you are. Cluster and sector size fixes by Tormod and Tools shed Print uh, tools. Print Toolshed version to help text. Okay. Uh, so here's the links to that. I need to save this because I don't have this in my Amacoconut site, so I'm going to save that. Okay and I'll add that later. So now we also have HDB DOS 1.5 released, also announced by Tormat. It has been released, here's a download link, it contains pre-built ROM disk wave images files, here's the changes, allows access to drive number 255 by Robert Galt, FDC track format, side 1, side 0, correctly encoded with track buffer, David Ladd being mentioned again, Becker to build option for timeout in the Beckerport routines, David Ladd, look at this. So, David Ladd, you are just becoming the king of all floppies, large and small. Very cool. So I'm going to favorite or star these two, and I'll get those links added to. Um, yeah, and this is what the Cocoa list looks like, um, if you were asking earlier, um, yeah. Ron. Right, so yeah. I just created in my Google, I created a little folder. Call Cocoa mailing list, and I created a little rule. So everything that comes from there comes in here, so I don't see it all buried in my inbox. And yeah, and so a lot of these things will stay threaded, and sometimes they got broken. So you can see here, there's three listings of Cocoa One XPad. So this thread has been broken and replied to broken pieces. It's a shattered, fragmented thread, and that happens for some reason. Um, but yeah, a lot of a lot of mostly more technical discussions take place on the mailing list um, but it's definitely a great resource glenn hewlett had a lot of good things to say about it as he was developing and working on his pac-man he said he got a lot of great support from there so you know facebook is one uh... resource for sharing information and the mailing list is definitely another um, i think they both serve a very good purpose and depending on what you like. And, you know, of course, then there's also the IRC chat. <laughs>
9: yes, another, which I also use quite a bit.
0: <laughs> another place to hang out. And then we've also got our little behind-the-scenes Skype <laughs> group going on here. So if there's and one... Discord. If there's, Yeah, if there's one community that can help fragment itself, it's the Coco community. We'll find ways to... (laughs) And don't forget the Yahoo group. (laughs) The Yahoo group, holy crap. Yahoo! (laughs) Don't forget
2: the OS9 and and Coco
0: Forms on VitoNet. Are those still around? (laughs) Oh, crap, I don't know. That's why we're getting ribs fired back up again, aren't it? Yeah, right? Yeah, I never really did too much BBS-type stuff on the Coco, so that would be interesting to see what that's like. Um, getting something going through DriveWire or through some other something or another, right? Um, I'm wondering if the RetroPie has a way to convert that to serial. I was reading on a mail list where
10: somebody had connected a real COCO and their COCO SDC, or no, the FPGA, to DriveWire simultaneously, and were able to pass files back and forth between
11: the two. Is there a special setting on DriveWire to do that?
4: Actually, that was me uh, that put put that post up. And actually, no. Uh, What I basically did was I took uh, the DriveWire server, mounted an image on there, and also mounted the same image in VCC uh, uh, going through another DriveWire server, and actually was able to read uh, the files directly back and forth between the two.
10: (laughs) Okay, so you had two servers running simultaneously? Yes. Okay. And they're accessing the, the files, so you have to be real careful what you're doing, right?
4: Yes. And I actually uh, did it one uh, step further uh, with Roger's uh, Cocoa on a Chip. Uh, he's got actually got a CocoaNet server, uh, which is very similar to DriveWire. And did the same thing, uh, so I was able to actually transfer files back and forth between the COCO on a chip and the real COCO 3.
10: Okay, that's cool.
1: I could have used that about six months ago. I have a uh, program, it's MS-DOS, it's called S-Term. It's a small um, program that brings up a little dialog box that uh, brings up um, Telnet. and um, and you can set your um, yeah. I use a um,
3: one of these.
1: I don't know if you can see it. It's a uh, serial to parallel, the serial, you know, USB nine okay. pin, yeah. So four pin to nine pin, and using that S term, uh, it basically hooks you into. Um, the internet, and you can uh, surf on the cocoa. Oh, yeah. So
0: you're, you're having that. your computer act as that that bridge that is yeah. the um, okay. Yeah, serial. X
7: as yep. an X-ray.
0: Yeah, it seems like there's a lot of neat application for doing stuff like that. Yeah. So there's there's things that I definitely want to get into and cover more on the show. I want to cover more on DriveWire. I want to cover, we're definitely going to cover more on, on uh, Nitrous 9 and OS 9, um, get into assembly. Uh, there's lots of different ways you can run drive wire. I mean, I'm running drive wire now uh, over a serial cable to a real cocoa and it's just, it's interesting to know that you can load things in through a GUI on your PC. Um, you know, and it's, it, These are like first world problems to complain about, but you know, the challenge I have right now is if I want to move things between my Cocoa SDC and my computer, I've got to unplug the SD card, stick it in my PC, put files on the SD card, put the SD card back into the Cocoa SDC, and again, you know, first world problems, right? And I really should be complaining about that, but when you have something like DriveWire and you can just say, okay, mount this disk into slot four, and then you just type in drive four and you load up the disk, it's convenient, you know? And when you can now do that over IP on your network, especially with an emulator, and you can manage drive wire out the cable, that's really cool. And the fact that I could use um, my PC to configure the drive wire on the Cocoa Pi as you having a modern GUI to load up the different disks in there is very cool, too. Agreed. You know, so the drive wire uh, is neat.
1: When I use my SDC, I make uh, a backup on my PC and a backup on a second... Uh, Chip, just in case.
0: <laughs> right, and so the one thing guys, I do yeah. know about DriveWire is that you can't share the same disk image okay. um, between There's, more than one, you know, real computer and virtual machine and things like that. You know, our emulated machine.
9: Well, Bill, you should be able to set up a Samba. Oh, yeah, Bill just said that he was doing that be between to... his real Coco and, or not the real Coco, but the um, Nano and. What was it, Bill? The other machine? Or is Bill gone again?
2: (laughs) He did say he had his real Coco and his Nano talking to each other, though. Okay. Yeah.
9: Yeah. Um, Now, Aaron did warn about doing that um, when that question came up, because there is the risk of two machines talking to the same disk image of corrupting it. Or, you know, if both of them decide to write the same thing and then you get over-talk. And so, there's a risk doing that. So, you just got to be careful.
0: Yeah. Well, hopefully we'll dig more into it. We'll dig more into DriveWire and a different ways to do DriveWire in multiple instances of DriveWire. Definitely want to do a proper um, presentation on, um, on Cocoa Pie.
1: You and, know, yeah. I, there's something else I wanted to bring up about the drive wire cable. Um, I saw two different um, wiring possibilities for. Uh, I'd like to know the right one. Uh, you know, the nine pin, the nine pin thing has. Uh, I think it's two, three, and five mm-hmm. or four. It only uses three wires, I guess, basically. But there's other wire, uh, other um, traces mm-hmm. on the. 9-pin that are, uh, I guess, shorted uh, together. I, I'm not... I'm trying to make my own wire, because my old one broke or something. <laughs> and, um... I, I'm all shaky guy here, and I try to stick that wire in there and <laughs> mm. get goobers on it and stuff. Yeah, but anyway, I bought mine from Cloud9, so
0: I bought a Yeah, that's what I'm going to want
1: to do it, probably, but... Um, is there is there just the three wires you use or is there other things that you have to do on the nine pin to make it uh, work properly
9: that I myself don't know I went the lazy route when back when drive wire was still purchased from cloud 9 um, that's when I got the cable. And then, I guess, I forgot that I would purchased the software and the cable. And a couple years later, I bought it again and another cable. (laughs) So So
2: you're saying you have a spare for him.
9: (laughs) Yeah. I built my own cable. Oh, that's what's hooked up to my Coco 2 and Coco 3, so they're both
5: in use. Oh. I built my my own using the one from Cocopedia. I'll post the link here, so. That'd be good. Cool. Yeah, that's... I didn't connect up the carrier detect, which is pin one on the four-pin DIN. Uh, I actually rigged it to, I think, one of the Exxon uh, uh, Xoff hardware lines because I've been trying to figure out a way of maybe using the cassette to trigger the opposite way because I'd like to get hardware flow control.
11: Uh, I think you could uh, either set up Windows file sharing on the uh, on the Pi, or even use a program like WinSCP. And just drag your uh, disk images over to wherever your DriveWire is. It
0: on the Raspberry Pi, you can. Yeah. Off the yeah, we did that on the Raspberry Pi, but I don't know if it's that straightforward on every version of DriveWire, depending how you have it set up, though. Um... What are we missing? Crash code in the live chat says that my SDC is in the mail. So that's cool. Coco SDC is a great little product. Um, probably one of the most useful products on the Cocoa mm-hmm. today. Um, yeah, Okay, so Mark Overholzer just posted that link to the, um, to the cable. Cool. Um, yeah, I think we probably want to, well, at least I do, I want to start to wrap up Coco Talk this week. I do I do want to go back out and check the news and check on the storm and things like that and see where things are coming along. Um, we've had a nice little run here, almost two and a half hours. I know it's kind of a short episode, but um, I guess we'll have to live with that, right? And so it gives us more to talk about next week. Uh, anything you guys want to mention before we start to sign off and say goodbye to everybody? Well, I understand you're predicting you and I'm thinking of you, buddy. No, oh, thanks, thanks.
1: yeah, keep in touch with us so we know uh you know if you're gonna <laughs> have a hard time of recovering
0: yeah, 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 well, right now we just have to wait for the storm to come and go and see what happens at, after that, you know so um but luckily it's 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 been slowing down, and it's not here I mean, originally we were thinking it was gonna be here today. You know, so the fact that it's not going to be even here till tomorrow, at least, you know, we got a chance to have the show today, and that's the most important part, right? The show must go on. Cocoa what forever. <laughs> what city are you in, Steve? I'm in Port St. Lucie. I'm on the east coast. I'm just a little bit south of Lake Okeechobee, but on the east coast. I'm not directly on the water. Oh, you well, know, you may but the foot. What's that? Looks like you may dodge the bullet. Yeah, well, we're dodging the uh, the direct hit of the bullet, but we're still going to hit by the shrapnel. There's going to be a lot of shrapnel. So um, this storm is as big as our state is. So no matter where it is, we're going to feel it. You know, and we still might lose power. You just you just never know. But um, we're prepared. You know, especially after Hurricane Andrew that happened like in the 90s. So the building codes have changed significantly. So any house built, you know, my house was built in 2005. So everything is Category Five rated. Um, between the house, the roof, the garage doors all that kind of stuff so I mean my, my house is not going to be ripped off the ground but we'll, we will probably lose power and and, and the city I'm in has got really bad drainage too so a normal bad rainstorm will cause flooding in the streets so a hurricane's definitely going to be flooding our streets um, but our city is very well prepared too. Port St. Lucie is very involved, they've got a Facebook page and they've got a website and they're constantly updating everybody into what they're doing what their plans are and all kinds of stuff like that so is your, um, you, is your house
8: sandbagged?
0: What's that?
10: Are is your house sandbag?
0: No, no, no. But um, all of our houses are up on a hill, right? So okay. the, the the yards are like they're kind of up and then they kind of angle down into the mm-hmm. street. So the houses are up on little mini hills. That's just kind of how they how they're built. Um,
7: Dad so Grammys had, a, had a little bit worried.
0: Yeah, no, but I mean anything can possibly happen. But I mean it's just one of the things you gotta you, you deal with it as it comes. Norland, Norlander saying according to the latest it's going to head to Tampa on the west coast, which is not good for them because Tampa Bay is going to get a lot of storm surge things like oh. that. So a lot of flooding is going to happen there. Um, all right. Anybody else got anything they want to mention before we sign off this week? Anything you're working on or want to share or looking forward to? Well, hopefully I'll catch you at 3.30 next week. Okay. Sounds
2: hey, good.
7: In, in my you. case,
2: I'm hoping David and I, uh, or hopefully oh,
7: David and I, da- I
2: hope David gets a uh, feeling better and then he can actually test that uh, walker patch and make sure it works on the real hardware. And if it does, we'll release it on the archive.
0: That's great. That's cool. great. That's a great accomplishment. So for those of us who are left in the call right now, Mark Overholzer and Bill Noble and Grant Leedy and Curtis Boyle and Richard Chrislip and uh, Ron Delvo, and David Ladd and Glenn Hewlett and William, Sh- how do you pronounce your last name, William? Is it
11: Shab? Well, wow, you actually got it right. Most people pronounce it with a W for some reason. But, yeah, that's the way you pronounce it. William Schaub. Okay. Mike Newman
0: says, stay safe. Who did we have in the live chat today? Let's make sure we acknowledge everybody who was in our live chat. Steve Powell was here. Atari Leaf was here. Prestige was here. Um, uh, Michael Newman has been here. Retro Gaming Denmark was here from Denmark. Alexander Wallace from Mexico was here. Um, who else was in the live chat? Jim Gary was here, always good to see Jim. who who is Karen, was uh live in the call and in the chat. Norlander was here. Norlander says, Blame it on Irma. Fiscap was here. Paul Fiscarelli, um, Michael Newman. Did I say Michael already? Bosco, that's our buddy Steve Bamford. Nick Marentis was here. I'm, I'm sorry, sorry, Nick did not join us in person this week. It's probably one of the first times. We haven't had Nick here. 60, Michael Newman, Crash Code was here just recently. Uh, Norlander, Fiscap. Okay, so I believe we've acknowledged everybody in the live chat. Thank you guys for being here live. Don't forget, I've got a brand new YouTube um, channel, which I'll be putting a lot more Cocoa content on. There's a link to that um, on this video. Uh, don't forget, if you want to support the show, there's lots of ways you can do that. You can get merchandise, you can buy a t shirt, you can buy a DVD. We have now just set up a patron site, so if you want to become a regular supporter, you can do that. So there's different ways you can help support our efforts. Everything we're doing is um, you know, for the love of it and for sharing our love and commitment to the Cocoa and to Retro. But uh, if anybody wants to help out, we we'll definitely appreciate that. And uh, John Linville was here earlier. Who else did we miss? Sixy was here earlier. A few other people were on the call that are no longer here with us now. So I want to thank all of them for being here too. And until next week, we will um, bid you farewell on this week's Cocoa Talk, episode 25. We're going to play some music. Uh, I also want to mention one more thing, too, for those of you who are still watching. Something that we started doing that we're going to continue to do um, is that when we go off the air, we continue to record so there's a little bit of extra after-show discussions that will take place for a few minutes. We started adding those as kind of value-added content to the audio podcasts. So if you listen a week later, you can hear some extra stuff. But I'll also start making some of that stuff available on Patreon, too. So for the people who want to have some behind-the-scenes content, some extra content, we'll make uh, more things available to you there, too. So um, until next week, we are going to sign off live on Cocoa Talk. Thank you all for being here. We're going to play some Cocoa music, and we'll see you all next week. Bye, all. Bye.
10: Bye. Bye,
6: everybody.
0: Later. All right. Well, we're off the air. <laughs> Good show, guys. Thank you.
1: Hey, some hey, of you Steve. guys should, uh, friend, we should friend each other on Facebook. I just uh, hooked up with... Um, Mr. Ladd there. Okay. Talk to him for a little bit. He was interesting to talk to.
0: Yeah.
9: <laughs> s- I am. You're the first person to say that. <laughs> well, <laughs> especially if you want to talk
2: about floppies, then he'll talk yeah. your ear off.
10: Yeah. <laughs> well, david has been doing good. He's breaking stuff and he's fixing it.
0: Well, not only is he fixing things, but he's getting accolades for fixing them now, so. Yeah, uh, you got quite a few credits there on the updates, that's for sure.
9: Yeah, I should have... S- said something. There's one of those Speaking that was of, uh, about the... fixing things,
11: port. I've been playing around with MAME and uh, I've been using the audio on command and the motor on to actually listen to audio on a tape and there's this weird echo effect that happens. Uh, you could see it happen with Space Probe Math even. You know, it's supposed to uh, cut off the audio before it uh, uh, before it loads the next bit of code off the tape, and you can still hear like the code actually coming through. I don't think that happens on actual hardware, but uh, I'm trying to uh, actually listen to this, learning the 6809 series taped images, and uh, it's basically unlistenable, because there's this weird... I don't know. It, you'd have to try it for yourself. I mean, you can uh, attach a wave file that has audio on it and just try to play it that way, and you'll see what I mean. It would be nice if that could be fixed, but I, I don't have the uh, expertise to uh, work on it. Hmm.
9: So this is in the emulator that that's doing that?
11: Yes, on the main.
9: Yeah, good good luck getting one of the developers <laughs> to touch that. We, we were lucky to get um, Ron to help push the fixes for or get them to look at the floppy issue and that's only because it was causing data corruption. But if it's just a little audio annoyance, psh, yeah, it could be months. If ever.
0: <laughs> hmm. I just discovered something, you know, I tried to um I tried to copy and paste the, the chat transcript so I can repost it later. For the first time, I just tried pasting this into Microsoft Word, and it's actually getting the little pictures of everybody's thumbnail from YouTube and stuff like that, too. So that's kind of cool to save as a document, but I'm not sure that's going to paste back into YouTube very well, but we'll see. So it's doing the emojis, you mean? Or? Well, not, not not the emojis, but more like the little the little <laughs> picture icons, so your little profile pictures picture. next to your oh, names just, and stuff. Yeah.
5: It's text only, you know, MS.
11: I, I have to uh, give BAME credit for even uh, implementing audio pass-through from the tape. Port because uh, as far as I know, it's the only emulator that actually does so.
0: Mm, I think x does too. I think x you can load cassettes. I'm not sure how it does if it does the audio part of it, but
9: yeah. But uh, Steve, I posted a link for an interesting floppy audio video. If you want to take a look, where's that at? <laughs> In the group chat that's for this video talk that we're in
0: hmm let's take a look at that what is this called here here's a floppy video music for you steve huh floppy floppatron oh this is where they're playing music on floppy guys yeah i've seen that before yeah that's cool stuff Enhanced Curtis by Flatbed Plotters. So.
9: <laughs> What's that? So, uh, Enhan- I was saying Curtis. Wait. No, I was going to say Curtis needs to make a song that's played on floppies and hard discs. <laughs> oh,
2: God. <laughs> 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 I'll stick to my guitar over here. It's much easier. <laughs>
5: yeah, right. So but what not nearly as the- geeky.
0: No crap. No I'm
2: I'm I'm a geek up to the point of where laziness wins out.
0: Yeah, right. Aren't we all? Definitely. Well, hopefully by next week we'll be able to show off the new Cocoa Talk t-shirts and mugs too, because I'm looking forward to seeing those i think it looks cool i like i like the idea of the tall mug because the last mug i had that was ceramic i dropped it on my tile floor and it smashed so i'm i can't be trusted with breakable objects so. <laughs>
2: actually i want to get one of those i'm actually going to plan to use it on the drive up to Cocoa fest
9: in yeah April. so the
0: tall the tall mug i think is plastic and it'll hold more liquid so <laughs> wait
9: mug Wait, what i mug. missed that one i must yeah. have uh,
0: yeah, the the you know from the retro swag shop. I have a new logo for Coco Talk, and I ordered the new mug. It's a tall mug. It's like a travel mug you can put in your car. It's got a handle on it. A, it's got the little
2: uh, lid that goes yeah. on to the splash. And yeah. Yeah. So. I'll
4: have to order me one.
0: Looking forward to showing that off, hopefully next week on uh, next week's show.
10: Are you gonna bring some of those T-shirts? Uh, to I don't the know. Assembly?
0: I don't know because I have to pay for them in advance, and I, I doubt I'll be able to afford it. So. Um, I might just bring the same thing. Like I'll oh, have maybe a sample and then some business cards if somebody wants to order them online. You know. Um, so when do, that, you, that do you have two- any plans, Steve, for doing a, an official Cocoa Fest shirt for the next Cocoa Fest? Uh, I don't know because I I don't know how I don't know if the right word is entitled to do it because i am not Cocoa fest you know so i was you know i know you wanted to do one before but well, it's the like just
2: like coco fest the organizers haven't done the shirt in years they didn't do last year's they didn't do the right. year before you yeah know, i think Neil blanchard did them one year before didn't he well i know jim o'keefe had done one last year or did jim yeah so it, it yeah. basically it's, it's almost like a volunteer thing they don't do it themselves so as long as you just let them know
0: so if you know somebody but, else yeah that's the part i want to i would want to and do that in the proper diplomatic way if that was but I think you and
2: Joel working together could make a pretty wicked one That would be a nice bonus yeah. one and those usually do sell fairly well because you it's a souvenir of the fest itself
5: <laughs>
0: I'd like to yeah, come I up agree.
5: with and good artwork a bonus
0: yeah Joel does good artwork and, and did you, you guys saw what he did for the cartridge right how it looks like an old tandy cartridge no. for bomb yes. threat that looks really good
5: I'm just waiting for him to pop up on eBay saying retro classic,
0: right, right. Well, <laughs> new, new. What's what's the, what's the term for that new new old stock or whatever? So it's uh, a So this is new new stock. <laughs> Good stuff. All right, guys, uh, I'm gonna go ahead and, and sign off, but I want to thank you all for being here. Thanks, Glenn, for taking time out of your day too. Nice to have you.
12: Well, thanks for the show as always, Steve.
0: Yeah, no problem. No problem. You take uh, care down there. Yeah, yeah. We're gonna I'm gonna go check in on the weather channel right now, see how things are going. Okay. okay. Bye everyone. All right, bye, take bye.
9: Care. later. Bye. Bye. bye, Bill. Yeah.
0: All right, and that concludes episode twenty-five of Coco Talk. This was the uh extra uh additional after show discussion and of course I've got some looming things to worry about right now with Hurricane Irma on its way here to Florida. So uh, hopefully we'll be talking to you next week without any um, any incidents to report. So thank you all. Uh, don't forget to check us out on the web at CocoTalk Live, and uh, we'll see you next week. Take care, Coco forever. Bye bye.